Hey guys, Pat and Reese here from the Shred Shack. Thank you guys for downloading this episode of the podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out the Shred Shack's weekly radio show as well, recorded every Wednesday from WCWP in Brookville, New York. This week, we're off the air. Well, no, the show hasn't been canceled or anything. We're just not in the usual studio, and it won't be broadcast on the radio station. Right. So we can say things like fuck and shit and balls. We could say balls anyway. We will have our regular segments, like we have new music from Gojira, Devil Driver, and Sabaton, live music from Machine Head and Children of Bodom, and a special social media highlight on our friends in Sex Knuckle, Penna, and Mata. And since we're not broadcasting on the radio, yes, we can get away with some songs that are less suitable for airplay. Can we play fucking hostile? (sighs) Fine. Yay! And be sure to give us a like at Facebook.com slash The Shred Shack in order to follow what we're up to. And give this podcast a positive rating so we can keep putting out the best in nerdy heavy metal banter just for you guys. Thanks again and welcome to The Shred Shack. I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. Welcoming you to yet another installment of the Shred Shack Podcast, your weekly source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. Let's start with old business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. All right, in old business, in this moment, guitarist Chris uh, Horworth is, quote, determined to continue writing and performing, unquote, with his band, despite the fact that he has been diagnosed with acute arthritis in his neck and shoulders. This diagnosis comes less than two months after In This Moment was forced to cancel his European tour, which we reported on a while back, uh, to what was described at the time as an injury to his neck. So, there's that. And that's old business. That's going to be rough for, for him being a guitar player, because he's got the you know, guitar hanging around his neck at all times. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll, if anything, they'll try to alleviate some stress and put it on a, on a post or something. <laughs> you know? Like they do with the, the acoustics during live shows. Yeah, that yeah. Would, that'd probably help out a lot. So. Yeah, it would kind of limit his movement, that's for sure. Yeah, but... Then again, know. if you have arthritis in your neck... Yeah, you, well... The headbanging thing probably sucks. Yeah, definitely. Well, here's hoping all goes well with that, then. Um... So that's it for old business. Yep. Let's go on to new business. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. And with new business always comes uh, new releases. Uh, Chris, you had zero last week. You're back in your game now. Yes, I am back in my game. The family is gone. I have nothing but nothing to do but to listen to music and, yeah, make and kale smoothies. There's a whole lot of Marvel <laughs> movies sitting on your shelf over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I already got through Band of Brothers and I got through Dune. I got through the first four movies of the Marvel Universe. I got the rest to go. And then, of course, Tolkien. So, yeah, yeah. I'm good to go. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, got your friend, you got your friends over the fellowship <laughs> <laughs> fellowship of the strings <laughs> yeah so back in my game here first one up is one I've been waiting for for a while is Gojira uh, Magma Uh, these guys are from France, and they border on the progressive side, but not the, the they're like the non-noodly prog. They're more like, if you think about Mastodon, and actually what I wrote here is that for newcomers, I would say that they are a mix of early Mastodon and modern-day Machine Head, just not that new single, though. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, on this record, they actually use a lot more clean vocals, 
than on the previous records, and it doesn't take away from the heaviness at all, which is the music is actually really fucking good. Mm. Uh, there's actually a lot of different, I want to say instrumentation, but there's a lot of different effects that they've used on this record that I haven't heard in a while, specifically the whammy pedal, which I haven't heard much of since Dimebag and uh, Rage Era Tom Morello. Um, it works really well for what they do. They also use a talk box in there somewhere, which just sounds really cool. And if you don't know what a talk box is, uh, Allison Chains, Man in a Box, the main riff, that's a talk box. I was going to say, isn't there a, isn't there a Frampton song? Like, yeah, we, we don't need to talk about Frampton. <laughs> no, or, or like... I feel like uh, I do, I think. Or a handful of Bon Jovi hits. Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> also, Sweet Emotion, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. But the... Allison Chains. Okay, uh, this definitely could be the record of the of the summer for me, and will be featured in the top three for June. Absolutely. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Been a lot of spoiler alerts lately. Next one up, nails. You'll never be one of us. Uh, this is the, an ultra-violent trio with their longest release to date clocking in at a breakneck 21 minutes. Oh, man, take that, Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> and, dude, it will rip your fucking head off. Take like, that, Slayer. <laughs> I'm thinking Napalm Death, if they stub their toe in the dark trying to get a snack, they are that pissed. Fuck I, I, I saw that I saw that last night. I was like, dude, you're, you just... <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> it's unapologetically brutal and fun, short-lived. But if they were any longer, I would probably be, it'd probably get redundant. You know, there's nothing fun about stubbing your toe in the middle <laughs> of the night trying to get a fucking snack. <laughs> Why would you say it's fun? Because the album is fun. It's not. I didn't stub my toe. They did. <laughs> yeah. All of them collectively stumbled. <laughs> <laughs> they were carrying their instruments around. In the dark, trying to get a snack, stub their toe in. Ah! <laughs> All right, it's a song. <laughs> that's pretty. And, and, yeah, that's pretty much the extent of it. Because the longest song is like three minutes long, and that's like an epic for them. So, but honestly, it was real, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And again, short lived. Twenty one minutes. Like you could probably play that like three times and get through one workout and be great. All right, the next one up is I don't know if they they. Um, Pronounce this as a word. I'm just going to spell it out. It's R L Y R. I thought it was like relayer or relier. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I was called delayer. It's a yeah. Yeah, there you go. Relayer. Relayer. They're an instru post metal trio. Uh, a supergroup of sorts featuring members of bands like Pelican, uh, Locrian, and The Bloodiest. It's their debut album, and it's really, it's just a solid rocker, to tell you the truth. It's full of low-end groove and melody that only instru rock can provide. Only four tracks, but it's all about the 23-minute apocalyptic closer, Descent of the Night Bison, which is absolutely incredible. It's a great song title. <laughs> There's also that. <laughs> I'm also very glad I stumbled across this one because this could also be in the in the top three for the month. This will this will not vying for top three for June. Already, and we were saying that top three wasn't uh, like June wasn't going to be a very good month. 
Yeah. And yeah. I I think I've I've actually like secured my top three almost right now. It's only halfway through. Speaking of securing top three. Okay, yeah. here we go. Uh, so, right. so everybody just kind of gets settled I'm gonna in. Go ahead and, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go get a snack. Get, some lunch. get, the, get the, your naps in. Get, get the piss break in yeah, now. Make, 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 sure you, make sure you got some coffee brewing for after this one. <laughs> Wake me up when you're done. <laughs> um, I had called this as my top three when they announced that they were going to do these shows about two, three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anything, anything related to Ari and Lucas, and uh, I automatically call because I'll kill all of you. <laughs> Not even in your sleep. I'll do it to your face. I'm gonna stab you in the back. I'm gonna stab you in the back to your face. <laughs> I'm gonna stub your toe. <laughs> I'm gonna put something in your way when you're trying to stumble to the fridge to get a snack, so you can stub your toe on it. That's like every uh, two to three hours. That sucks. <laughs> all right. Um, all joking aside. Now a little bit more joking. <laughs> um, yeah, all joking aside, my balls. Whatever. Um, Arion, the theater equation finally came out. I absolutely adore anything that Ariane Lacoste does, especially when it's related to Arion, especially when it's related to the human equation. Human equation was my big introduction to um, the Arion project. Um, I actually had um, Universal Migrator 1 prior to getting that album, but this is what got me full on into it. It also kind of geared me toward um, my career in psychology. So it's like the album, The Human Equation, is significant for me personally. Um, and they announced a while back that they were going to do a live performance of the entire set in like a play form. Um, and from what I understand, like it was going to be a fan-made thing at first, and then after like all the names started coming back and it started being a bigger deal, they're like, okay, well let's actually like make this a real deal thing. So they put more effort into it, more. Um, um, you know, money and, and time into it. It made it a, a more significant deal. And um, most of the names who were on the original album came back. Um, the only ones that got replaced were um, Arian himself, uh, was replaced with Woodstick, who was on the Zero One album. Uh, good replacement, because his voice is not that far from Arian's, um, a little bit... Um, more suited for singing. Arian has said on many occasions that he's not a good singer. He's why he kind of layers a lot of things. Uh, so Woodstick was a good replacement for him. Um, instead of um, Mikhail from Opeth, they, they have Anarchy Van Giersbergen, um, which is really sharp contrast. Because um, like, even listening to it, you expect that, that kind of deep, like soothing voice to come in. And instead you have this higher... Voice uh, it's, it's her voice, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, my question is though, is that he does on the record he does a growling section. I'm gonna get to that. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Because um, Anarchy does not do the growling. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, but Anarchy, like again, when you when you first hear it, it's like that's that's different, but it's you definitely get into it pretty quickly. Um, and then the third replacement is for both. Uh, father and rage. So uh, Mike Baker, who has passed away, unfortunately. So you can't, you know, you can't get him back. Um, and Devin Townsend are replaced by one guy, which is Mike Mills, who, from the band Toe Hider, 
apparently has a nice YouTube presence, which got him onto the last Arian album, Theory of Everything. Um, and again, it's a sharp contrast to Devin Townsend. Who was he on Theory of Everything? He was the father. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was the really, really into it father. Yeah. Um, so again, sharp contrast, and for the most part, it does work. I'll get to where it doesn't <laughs> in a little while. Um, musically, the whole thing is is really, really good um, because of the fact that it's a live setting and you can only do so much live. They had to strip away some parts, but everything still works extremely well. Um, it doesn't even feel like very much is lost, um, especially considering the fact that a lot of the instruments are covered. Um, there's even a point during the, the performance where you, you see the guy playing um, the flute and the bassoon, I believe. Like, he's got both of them strapped around him, or he starts to, like, strap both of them around him, get ready to do both parts, like, one after the other. So, like, they, they're on top of it. Like, the entire band is super professional. Two keyboard players. Ed Warby's back on drums. I'll go, I was going to say, I, I think I looked at the, 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 the musician's list, and Ed Warby was there, and I think the flutist, or the flute, the flutist, flutist, flutist is the same, same guy, guy who's on the album. Yeah, um, I think... I know that most of this whole setup was uh, Jos Vandenbroek, who is... He's a musical director. Yeah, he, he's... I think he's one of the... I don't know if he's one of the keyboard players on there. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm used to seeing him from a few years ago where he looked like super young. I'm not sure if he's one of the keyboard players on there. I didn't look enough into it. But either way, it pretty much translates pretty damn well live. Um, all the vocalists, as far as their sound goes, they did great. Um... I'm trying to think of when to transition into the video part of it. Um, so this was a, this was a DVD. This was a, this was two DVD, Blu-ray, and two CDs. Wow. Yeah. So I only watched the Blu-ray. I didn't watch the extras. I just watched the performance. Um, which I'll just start talking about the video performance. Um, the stage setup, awesome. No, no, like it's not like a big Broadway play where they have to change everything. Everything that they need for the entire set was on stage for every part they needed. So they had the car for the accident. They had um, a toy chest for when he was a kid. They have a desk for when he's set up and they're doing the, the part of pride. Um, so it's everything they need is right there. They just kind of go to it. Um, so that's, you know, it's, it's really cool. That it's all set up and there's not much transition needed. Um, all the costumes were really cool. All the um, all the women had these really great dresses. All the guys were dressed up in these these awesome looking suits. Um, Devin Graves as Agony had a cane. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> he was very steampunk yeah, from he, what I saw. He looked he looked cool and like I had never never seen anything um, live from from him as far as like Dead Soul Tribe and everything. But he has this really great like stature when he's doing it like he kind of has like this really creepy stance he's doing the thing with his hands like he's gonna gonna get you and it works for the character because you know it's supposed to be kind of um uh kind of a spooky sense of of pain there and he's just kind of sitting there doing that uh he looked cool we were joking about um um magnus who does the voice of pride because he looks all general ish um and we were saying, like, he's the patent on stage, waiting for him to kind of break out. He'd be like, oh, you magnificent bastard, I read your book! <laughs> I was just waiting for that. But he, had a, he just had a very cool um, look to his costume. Um, James Labrie was just kind of dressed up in, in like, a business attire, mm -hmm. but kind of, like, um, dressed down a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, overall, all the just the suits and everything was was looked pretty cool. Um, stage setup was cool. Um, as far as like the action on stage, I mean, I'm pretty sure most of the stage direction was push James Labrie as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like, push him around. It was like literally like as the characters get introduced, all they're doing is just pushing him somewhere else. <laughs> like, hey, bro, boom. which which was funny very early on because I was talking about. Um, Irene Jansen, who I absolutely adore. I think she's a great singer, a gorgeous woman, and it's funny because she just walks in a foot taller than James Labrie <laughs> and pushes his ass out of the way. <laughs> and uh, it was it was great to see. <laughs> um, again, my only gripe with um, the performances, as far as like putting on a visual show from these guys, was um, Mike Mills handed up a bit too much. Like you're you're in the midst of a play. There's there's a story going on here, and as soon as he comes on, he plays to the chorus, plays to the crowd, and plays to the camera. I'm like, this is like I'm sure you're charismatic, but this is not the time for that. You know, like I just didn't. I, it takes you out of the performance. Um, and but his his overall look was pretty badass. But I mean, just that you you you're you're not fulfilling the role I felt, you know. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, and, and uh, with with James Labrie, again, you're playing a character who's, like, supposed to be confused and kind of figuring things out throughout the most part. I just kind of felt he was a little dead, you know. Like, he sounded good, but just for the most part, he was just kind of, like, wandering around on stage, shuffling his feet and everything. <laughs> it's like, getting pushed around a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't too keen with how they, how they did that, but, um, again, minor gripe. Um, <laughs> Pete does look like he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Take it all in. Don't worry, don't worry, we'll get to some ABM later on. <laughs> uh, cause I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up, I'm wrapping it up, slowly. Um, we need so. that thing from Chappelle show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so my it seems like my my main gripes with this have to do with Mike Mills, which is unfortunate because he's a great singer. Obviously, he's charismatic, good performance, um, and the changes he does to the performance for Devin Townsend, you know, they work well for the songs, except on um, Day Sixteen, Loser. I wasn't so keen on how he did the voice of the father because it kind of sounded like someone trying to do an oogie boogie impression as the voice <laughs> oh, of the father. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it just it just it didn't sit well with me, and I wasn't sure how I was going to approach um, the end part of it. And again, he doesn't growl, he doesn't scream, he has his high voice. So his high voice over a part that's supposed to be super intense, I hated it. <laughs> I was. So so upset when they did the when they did the end part, the big climax of loser. Um, he just doesn't fit it. It just doesn't work. Um, everything else was fine because, um, as you were asking before, um, there is a lady in the epic rock choir in the background who does the growling. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was um, there are certain parts where um, the choir comes down and to kind of fill some space in the storytelling, they do acapella of certain parts, especially um, Day 3, not Day 3 Pain, Day 4 Mystery, like the um, the parts where the best friend and the wife are talking about, mm -hmm. like, is he going to die and everything, the choir comes down and does that part a cappella before they go back into it. It's fucking fantastic. 
but just before they do Day 11 Love, they do another acapella part, and they end with a big growl. And I, I, you see the person like physically move when they do it, and then removes the hood, and it's her. And I was like, that's fucking cool. That's fucking is there cool. any, do you, do you know who that is? No, like, just they, 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 they auditioned a choir, and they happened to have, like, I guess they needed one to be a growler, or this lady could sing and growl, so they said, you're doing our growls. This, so she did, she did Mikkel's growling she parts. She did all the growling parts from the choir area. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. So, so, like, <laughs> when, so cool. like when you're doing, uh, when we're talking about um, day 16, um, at the end, when it's supposed to be Mikhail and Devin Townsend going back and forth, she's doing Mikhail's, like, parts. Yeah. So, um, but everything, yeah, like I said, everything growl is done by her. And it's like, I wish there was a little bit more spotlight on her for that fact, but, you know, whatever. Um, and pretty much that's, that's like, again, that's like my, my one main gripe, all little minor things. But overall, it, is a, it was fantastic. It's a fantastic product. I couldn't expect any less from Arian. Um, and if you're an Arian fan and fan of the album, I just, Obviously, recommend you check this out. Period. So, how long was that? Was it twenty minutes? No, that's all right. That's all right. (laughs) Come on, we had to put me through a lightning round because I had fifteen albums that one time. No, no, (laughs) this one I I, I set aside some time for. I was like, no, I'm not doing any other albums. I'm doing this, and that's it. So, and I have always had plenty to say. So, the end. That's it for new releases, then, huh? That's it for new releases. All right. I'm just still reeling from that. (laughs) You get all amped up. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, So with new releases done, what else have we been listening to this week? Well, let's start with Pete. Pete. Seeing that he hasn't contributed anything, Jesse. Pete, wake up. I'll tell you right now, uh, all I've been listening to is Dark Funeral. Uh, That album is fucking incredible. Uh, If you have not checked that out, you need to go listen to it right now. That's all I have to say. Well I know that uh, Pete hasn't been in, in our, our group chats very much. I'm sure you turned off the notifications by now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the only thing we've gotten you, from you this week is Dark Funeral. It kicks ass. I'm done. <laughs> Drop the mic. Walk away. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That or a thumbs up, which is the, the best thing ever for Facebook Messenger. Because like, when I'm like walking around and I don't really want to talk to you guys, thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Well, actually, like, yeah. that, that's a lot better than like... Like K, yeah, yeah it is. yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I acknowledge you. <laughs> I have to get back into it though. I turned it off for uh, it was in New York, so yeah, cool. it's gotta, gotta focus. <laughs> so, what I've been listening to this week is I did my top three for June, uh, for May. So we'll be recording that after that we do this um, to get prep prep for the new Gojira record. I listened to the last two Gojira records, which was the the Way of All Flesh and La Enfant Sauvage. Uh, crowbar, symmetry in black, randomly, and I finally went to Best Buy and I bought some fucking CDs. Yay! So I bought the new Gojira. I bought Hatebreed, the Concrete Confessional. I bought Rob Zombie's Insert Ridiculous Title Here, and Volbeat, Seal the Deal and Let's Boogie, greatest title of 2016, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and I stumbled across this one uh, the other day. I think it was posted by Metal Injection in their Holy Shit Alert thing. And my thing is. Holy fuck. This surprised the shit out of me. All right. This band is called Astronoid. The album's called Air. I posted it to the Facebook page the other day. I highly recommend you guys check it out. Um, their Facebook page describes them as Dream Thrash. <laughs> um, 
I don't know if anyone has kids or if anyone's seen the movie How to Train Your Dragon, but the song that closes this the movie, um, it's these band, these guys sound like that, but with like black metal behind them. It's fucking incredible. Um, I also read that they were described as if a black metal band tried to go for clean vocals, uh, a la Deftones, or if Devin Townsend was to produce the Mars Volta. They are just so fucking incredible. I cannot recommend this album enough. It's so fucking good. I listened to it three times yesterday. It's that good. Um, and the last thing I listened to this week was the um, new Skeleton Witch track, the Red Death, White Light. Uh, it's a song from their upcoming EP. It's seven minutes of epic modern day thrash slash prog. And I'm just really excited for this EP coming out. They just need to release that EP already. I, I think it's I think it's in like two months. Yeah, I think we still have to wait until August. They're gonna release them like track by track, and then I know, right? We're gonna hear the whole fucking thing before it comes out. <laughs> but this this song was really good, and Skeleton, which is one of those bands where we talked about quantity versus quality. Mm. I mean, these guys release albums like every two years, or some kind of release every two years, and it's never bad. It's always good. Have they only had? Now, have they only have two vocalists, or have they had three? Like, I, I don't know. I really don't know the history of the band. Okay. Really, I know they just replaced their old vocalist right. who was on their last record. And this is going to be this, the new vocalist's first record. Yeah, I know that. But that's all I've been listening to. Um, I was listening to my top three for May to get ready to not do my script for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like looking at the script. It's like you started off really well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I started off really well, and then I went to sleep. <laughs> It's funny because like last weekend I didn't I didn't work any I, I got sent home all three of my days last week. You think I would have done something? Nah, <laughs> I, got, I, I decided to just pull all my vinyl records off the shelf. Um, besides from, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking high fidelity. <laughs> it's, it's not alphabet. It's autobiographical. <laughs> I got all of these at the same time, so therefore, bam. Um, but aside from that, I was listening to the three Stone Kings releases that we just got. Um, I still need the new one from you. Yes, you do, because it's, it's fucking good. Um, Stone Kings reached out to us uh, recently about um, their new stuff, um, and we, we played, I, I think we're going to play a track of theirs on uh, the show soon, if we haven't done so already. Um, but they sent us... Uh, from their new album, From Creation to Devastation, which is out next month, at the end yeah, of next month. Yeah, July. Which I think I'm, like, in the midst of not doing top three stuff, I might do a written review for that at the same time. There you go. So that way we can kind of, like, cover both both tracks there. Um, but I love their sound. It's really good, um, which I'll get more into when I write the review for the new album. But they have a, they have a great sound. It's thick. It's heavy. Vocals are kind of that... that subdued sing-song way of doing things. Um, and I was describing them to you, Chris, as um, kind of the direction that your band was heading in, like right before you guys stopped doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, like that kind of thicker, but still somewhat simpler sound. Yeah. yeah it, it, was, it was good. You'll, you, you might hear it when I send you the, um, the new one, at least. Uh, but aside from that, I've been doing the great deliberation as far as my vinyl records go. As I said, I had time on my hands and just decided to finally go through it and start listening to some stuff so I can get rid of some stuff. So Towns Van Zandt, Nana Muscori, and Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. So that's what I've gotten through so far. <laughs> Tijuana. Tijuana Brass. And I know somewhere on there I have fucking Spanish Flea. I'm just, <laughs> just going to put that on one day and just let it play. <laughs> over and over and over. Isn't it Spanish Fly? Spanish Flea. Flea? I don't know. 
It was a little Spanish flea. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> and I don't think course, that's something completely yeah, that's different. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Spanish Fly was like... A, that, was, that was a... aphrodisiac. There's, there's that, and I think there's also a Van Halen track. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like also like a, a condom on a, on a um, Beavis and Butthead episode. There's that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> Beavis um, and Butthead is still influencing my life 20 years later. Yeah, you know. Oh, 90s kids. <laughs> and lastly, of course, I listened to uh, Ariane, The Human Equation, because I'm listening to The Theater Equation. So I had to go back and get Compare. a feel for the, for the real deal. Compare and contrast? Compare and contrast. <laughs> you might set me off on a whole Ariane fucking listening party now, which, um, which actually happens like every two months oh, anyway. you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. It, it happens every two months anyway. I, I told you before, when I don't know what I want to listen to when I'm in the gym, the first thing I go for is Star One. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> so this might just... I'm, I might be screwed for next week. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> I mean, you already have top three pretty much set up, so you're done. Well, I got new releases. There's stuff I need to listen to, damn it. Give in to the power. Yeah, Whitechapel's coming out next week, so I got to listen to that. Well, you know, I can make it even worse and just send you the theater equation. You'd be like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I was actually thinking about going out and buying it myself. If you, if you can find it. Where did you find it? I bought it. Pre-ordered it online. That's, I got, I got the full big book addiction. That's probably what I'm thinking of, though. You, you go ahead and do that. It's fucking eighty dollars. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was hurting me. I was like, oh man, I want it but so it, bad. But it's, it's two DVDs, a Blu-ray, two CDs, and yeah. big yeah, ass yeah, book. Yeah, I mean, I mean, book, that yeah. sounds pretty fucking worth it. I, I think it was one of those things where it's like it was a price I expected. And then they charge shipping, and I'm like, oh, oh, you should have bought me dinner first. <laughs> should have bought plane tickets and gone and picked it up myself. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's funny, because I, I went through, I went to the Orient site to do it. It sent me to Inside Out, but it was all done through Century Media. I was like, something's getting fucked here. Well, didn't we, didn't, we, didn't we just mention that, or a couple weeks ago, that Century Media picked up all of Orient's stuff? I don't. I don't even remember. I have it all, so it's like, all right. yeah. Well, unless they're going to re-release it all on Century Media with special stuff, and I was like, oh man, my wallet is full of full of uh, moths right now. <laughs> uh, so that's it for new releases and all that kind of business. Let's talk about general news. Um, and speaking of record labels and whatnot, go with the first one. Nuclear Blast Entertainment has announced the signing of Opeth who is currently in the studio with Tom Dalgetty, putting the finishing touches on their new album, Sorceress, which is a due for a fall release. You know, I've been watching a lot of stuff about wrestling lately, and um, in particular, obviously, WWE. Uh-huh. And, like, talking about Vince McMahon just buying up all the little promotions. I, that's how I'm thinking about with these, these record labels, because they're, like, really trying to buy up everything and just mm. cause this turf war going on. Because there's a lot of great names signing to a lot of great labels. Uh, you know, I was just thinking the same thing. You know, what this feels like for me is <clears throat> the NFL offseason when it's trade deadline, mm-hmm. where people are just kind of picking up like free agents and like left and right, just deals are being made and shits going down. And for us, it actually works out much better. I think yeah. Opeth deserves to be on a, on a record label like Nuclear Blast and not Roadrunner, which I don't think they got enough attention from Roadrunner mm-hmm. when they were on that label. I was trying to think of who they were, who they were with before because I know that Opeth back earlier was Century Media. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I, I, and then we were on Roadrunner at least for Ghost Reveries. I'm not sure how many releases after that. I don't know, like, the probably, last one was... Probably right up until Pale Communion. Probably, I would, I would think so. Yeah. But Nuclear Blast, I think they do better for bands like Opeth. Yeah. 
It's going to end up being like Nuclear Boss versus uh, Seasons of Mist. It's like our East-West, pretty much. Seasons of Mist, and you know who's actually killing it, too, is Blood Music. That's who I got this uh, the Ashenoid album uh-huh. from, and I think that's where I got um, the Count album from that I really liked. They're more, I think, they get more of the eclectic metal bands. Right. To it instead of like more straightforward, like you know, like a band like Opeth, who's like prog metal and whatnot, like they go for more out there stuff. Yeah. And but they, they all their stuff is on Bandcamp, and most of it's for name your price. And it's it's just fucking awesome to have that kind of access to the music. Napalm also gets a lot of a napalm, lot of too. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. what was I gonna say? Oh. The only problem I see with this, though, is that when we do our top three, when this is inevitably on our top three, I am going to have to edit the living fuck out of it and not, and not, and not do chipmunk stuff like Killswitch Engage. Alvin and the Engage. Yeah, because yeah, one – I, I obviously didn't uh, – I think I, I think I posted a thing about this when we posted the video, but Nuclear Blast – holds on to their shit hard. So when we pulled up the uh, the top three that had Kill Switch, they brought the hammer I down. Kill Switch was on uh, Roadrunner. I don't think so. I, I, I think I think for um, for this one it was Nuclear Blast. Oh, okay. So maybe they have something worldwide. Huh? Maybe Nuclear Blast has something with them worldwide. Uh, maybe. But Nuclear Blast hit me hard for Kill Switch. Yeah. So I'm almost certain. I could be completely wrong and stupid, but... Well, speaking of Nuclear Blast, they've also signed Paradise Lost, which is an awesome band. So that's good for them. That's a worldwide deal, too. That's not like we've mentioned a couple of these deals where they exclude North America and so on. This is worldwide. So this, this is pretty much, you know, Boardwalk and Park Place. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting ready to lay down them hotels. Screw if you land there. I'm going to own all of prog metal forever. Yeah, that's right. Do not pass go, motherfucker. I just want to now, now I have to go find out. Oh, I think Catatonia is on Peaceville. If Catatonia yeah. was on Nuclear Blast, that's it. Lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> Peaceville, Peaceville has a lot of good acts. They do have too. a lot of really good acts. I've been, I've been noticing that a lot more often now yeah. when we because of the skateboard marketing thing. Yeah, I think they, um, I think they did an older Opeth album. Uh, I think they have a few Anathema records on there. You know what? When doing the top three, I was looking through. Spoiler alert here. Top three. I've mentioned this before. Is Catatonia for me? Um, I did some research into their back catalog and. Mikel from Opeth actually was their singer on one of their albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after Jonas um, decided not to do growling vocals anymore. After he heard his after he heard his vocal cords, they brought Mikel in to sing for one album, huh. the growling parts, right which was just fucking cool. This is also back in the '90s, so this is well before I got to either one of those bands. All right, so moving on here, Joey Jordison has revealed that he has been fighting transverse mellitus. Myelitis. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I make a joke about this later on, too. Um, an, inf- an inflammatory disorder that temporarily robbed him of his ability to play drums. All right? So while accepting the Golden Guard Award at uh, Monday, June 13th, Metal Hammer Golden, Guard- Golden Gods Awards event in London, he gave an emotional speech in which he spoke about his exit from Slipknot for the first time. And this is a quote from his speech. Towards the end of my career in Slipknot, I got really, really sick with a horrible disease called transverse myelitis. I lost my legs. I couldn't play anymore. It was a form of multiple sclerosis, which I don't wish on my worst enemy. I got myself back up. I got myself in the gym. and I got myself back in fucking therapy to fucking beat this shit. And if I could do it, you could do it. It's the hardest thing, blah, 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 blah. Now, I 
there was also a little blurb about what this actually is. So according to the Cleveland Clinic, transverse myelitis is a neurological condition produced by abnormal inflammation in the spinal cord, resulting in a block of the nerve impulses and neurologic symptoms. Uh, transverse myelitis is a very rare disease with a frequency estimated to be five new cases for every one million people. That's fucked up. Yep. I already know that MS is, like, horrible. Yeah. It's amazing that I actually, I can probably count the number of people I know with MS on more than one hand, which is a sad thing. And this is, what I know of it, it's, it's fucking terrible. And this this sounds just equally as bad, if not worse. And so. considering how rare it is, five in one million. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Pantera issued a statement last Sunday, uh, June 12th, calling out the concert industry for not doing more to prevent future tragedies in the wake of the shooting death of Christina Grimey. Um, on, June, on Friday, June 10th, Grimey, a former contestant on NBC's The Voice, was shot and killed following her performance in Orlando, Florida. This actually has nothing to do with the Orlando shootings that happened later the next day. It was just two separate incidences, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I actually thought they happened at the same time. No, no, no. Yeah. two separate instances. Okay. Yeah, this one happened on Friday. the The big tragic one with all those other at the the nightclub that was the next night. Okay. okay. <clears throat> um, the suspect, identified as 27 year old Kevin Lebel, whatever, of Saint Petersburg, Florida, didn't appear to know Christina personally. And is believed to have traveled to Orlando specifically to attack her, and then fatally shot himself. The manner in which Grimey was murdered struck a chord with Pantera for reasons we are very yeah. aware of. Um, they are quoted as saying, We are so sad and disappointed to hear that Christina Grimey was gunned down the same way that Dime Bag Darrell was. After Dime's murder, we all prayed that our industry, i.e. club owners and promoters, would do whatever they needed to do to protect artists from gun-wielding fanatics. Sally, that's not the case, and another rising star had to pay the consequences with her life. Something needs to change. Fucking stalkers, dude. Goddamn. Just, that's scary. That's serious shit. Yeah. Was was she on stage when this happened? This is a, I think it was after her performance. Yeah. I think she was leaving the venue or like she's doing like a meet and greet thing type of thing outside and he gunned her down. Okay. And I was going to say like if it happened inside It ha- if it happens inside that's a that's <clears throat> ridiculous. Yeah. But even outside, I mean, even if it's like in the perimeter of the fucking venue, that's still Yeah. Well, cuz I, I was going to say if it's inside like if if it's I feel like there would be less uh, concern for that kind of thing um, at a, like a more pop show. So they probably wouldn't go patting people down for guns at something like that. Which, even since I know that after the whole thing with um, with Dimebag and even uh, with the whole thing in Paris, mm-hmm. like for a little while around those times, things started getting a little bit more tense. But as always, things kind of lax, and then you know, like I for a while I was getting more and more surprised that nobody was sitting there trying to like check me out while I was walking in which uh, I don't care about being checked out you can check my bag you can check all my stuff see make sure I don't have anything <laughs> please um, do that yeah like please because again we, we've, we've talked about this every time we go to a show now we're looking at exits making sure like, <laughs> we know exactly starts, where to go at all times because like, again it could happen any t- anywhere anytime especially apparently in any form of music because we have a bunch of fucking nut jobs out there so it's just and, and and it's not even a matter of the music industry; it's a matter of everything now. So, well, we're not even going to get into the conversation about 
guns and gun control and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You it's just again, it's just it's just generally a fucking tragedy. So. Yeah. And even the, the thing that happened the next day, um, I actually personally know somebody who was there. Oh really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Who was so, there? Um, friend of Lindsay's. Oh okay. So, but yeah, it was. Did she make? She make it out? He made it out. He, he made it out. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but it was just like bullshit like that. You know? Yeah. So, all right. On another sad note here, Adam Young, a father-daughter grindcore outfit Sockweb, committed suicide last week. Earlier this year, Young had been arrested on two counts of intimidation, pointing a firearm, strangulation, four counts of domestic battery, and criminal mischief. The charges all stem from an alleged incident with his girlfriend. His mother, uh, Janelle uh, Alton, claims that Young had been not guilty of all charges. Apparently, he, the case went through and he was found not guilty. And he still, unfortunately, took things into his own hands. I, I, I kind of wish I knew more about this. I don't. I don't know anything about this guy. So. Uh, well, the only the only reason I bring it up is because it was it was pretty featured on like Metal Sucks and Metal Injection. Um, this was this band. We call it a band. It's just a father daughter duo. It's like a little like toddler age girl who does. They did grindcore music. She pretty much screamed over a whole bunch of grindcore music. It was a lot of fun. And it was good and blah 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 blah. And then. Earlier this year, he got into a bunch of trouble from this incident, and gotcha. it hasn't been very good for him at all. Gotcha. So. All right. On to more uh, uplifting news here. Body Count, the band, uh, has inked a worldwide deal with Century Media Records. The group has entered the studio producer Will Putney, who has worked with uh, Miss May I and Upon a Burning Body, to begin recording its new album for a late 2016 release. There you go. Century Media. Century Media. And I, I I don't know who um, Body Count was with previously. I know when they first started out, I think they were with Virgin Records, which Ice-T was a bigger name at the time in rap. I don't know what they were. I don't know what label they were with when they reunited. But I feel like Century Media can do them some good. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, because they're, they're not a bad band at all. So um, I Yeah, think they seem to have a very... From what I read is that this is this follow-up that they're recording. Their previous album was actually very well received, both commercially and critically, mm-hmm. which is like something you just don't get nowadays. Yeah, I think it was. I think the last one was Manslaughter or something, or Murder for Hire. I can't remember. <clears throat> but yeah, they, again, they're not a bad band. So I think Century Media can probably do them some good. Good. So. Speaking of new signings here, In Flames have signed uh, with Nuclear Blast. For all territories excluding North America and Scandinavia. So if anybody picks In Flames for the top three, only North America and Scandinavia will be able to see our next top three. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a fun one. Uh, rowdy Russian fans at a bullet for val- for my Valentine's uh, show on June 15th set... Uh, oh, it was in a venue called A2 in St. Petersburg, Russia. Lit a bonfire in the audience and proceeded to mosh around it. Didn't this is an indoor some, venue. Didn't we report something similar to this a few yes, months ago? Yes, a few months ago, yes. Yeah. In Russia. Uh, no injuries have been reported. Yeah, those guys are crazy. <laughs> Rowdy Russian piper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last bit of general news here. James Hetfield is lending his voice to an upcoming animated series based on the Skylanders video game toy franchise. That series is set to air on Netflix this fall and will also feature voice talent from Justin Long, Ashley Tisdale, Jonathan Banks, and many more. 
A two-season run has been ordered and remains unclear on who Hetfield will be voicing, though his role seems likely to be a cameo. Okay, I was going to say, because I was like, I can't, I can't take a dragon seriously if he's flying around going, Yeah! Fire! To begin with the death of the dead! Done. That sounds like the greatest character ever. <laughs> Tell you, man. Once it, once I learn how to animate stuff, that's gonna be a thing. But, um, <laughs> the I, wild I, Chuck Billy appeared. <laughs> the wild Chuck Billy has appeared. Um, but I had heard, I actually hadn't heard this thing. I heard about him appearing on the new Heart album. Yes, actually, I mentioned that. I believe it is um, oh, okay, so. in the yeah in the recording. I, I yeah, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> On to recording news. On to recording news, but we're not that one right yet. Uh, Delane have completed work on their new studio album for a late summer release. Um, singer Charlotte Wessels is um, quoted as saying, The mixing is done. The mastering is done. We're just finishing the artwork now, and we've got it all together. So that should be cool. Because yes. they just released that EP this year. Yes. That was good. Yeah. Delane's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Soilwork will release a special collection of rarities titled Death Residence on August 19th. Uh, via nuclear blast. So, <laughs> insert top three joke here. <laughs> All right. The previously announced expanded version of Metallica's 1982 demo tape, No Life to Leather, which was supposed to arrive late uh, last, last summer on CD, vinyl, and limited edition deluxe box set, has been delayed due to legal issues. In an interview, Lars Ulrich did not want to get into the details of the exact issues that were preventing the demo tapes from being released. He's quoted it as saying, it's a little more complicated than that. There's no reason to go deeper into it. It was just something that we hadn't expected. The argument was, Dave Mustaine wants you to change the song to mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Um, next one up, Dunsmere. The new project featuring clutch singer Neil Fallon, former Black Sabbath drummer Vinnie Appice, Fu Manchu bassist Brad Davis, and the company band guitarist Dave Bone will release its self-titled debut album July 22nd via Hall of Records. The effort will be released digitally exclusively on iTunes. The LP will have a limited pressing of 1,000 copies and will include a signed lithograph poster of the album cover. Deep. Hey. <laughs> that's that's twice as many as the EP. I'm just I was going to say, like, didn't you? Didn't you <laughs> I got the the, the EP single, right single. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one. That's it's going to be really good. I think. All right, here we go. Uh, this is what we call the random cameo. Uh, Heart uh, return with July 8th with Beautiful Broken, their 16th album. The title track and first single features a guest vocal contribution by James Hetfield with Ann Wilson. I am the table! Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. to tell you the truth, I listened to the track. It's actually not bad. It's actually I, really... Heart's a good band, and having James Hetfield sing with them, that sounds like a cool Ann idea. Wilson has not changed her voice in 40 years. She sounds exactly the same, and it's incredible. And all the power to her. Oh, my yeah. God, she's awesome. <laughs> hey <laughs> I am the view! <laughs> Fucking Lulu. <laughs> Lulu with tank battle. <laughs> In joke. Go. <laughs> okay. Metallica appears to have finally begun the mixing process for its long-awaited follow-up to 2008's oh Death Magnetic album. Tentatively due before the end of the year. We will see. Okay. We've got, we've got about five and a half months to go, so we'll see about that one. 
<laughs> but at least at least now though it's like something more significant. It wasn't Lars Ulrich had a dream about turning a knob in a studio and therefore <laughs> have to report on it. <laughs> James Hetfield considers possibly maybe thinking about writing a new riff. <laughs> Dude, I did a thing. <laughs> Dude. I did a thing. We think we have a producer. We're not sure. There's someone sitting outside of the chair. <laughs> There's some guy turning knobs in here. He just kind of showed up one day, and he hasn't left. A month from now, they'll reveal the album title, and it's Lulu 2. <laughs> hey, y'all! Lulu 2. <laughs> I just have... I was, I was thinking about, you know, have... You should have... Hetfield and Pacino do an album together. <laughs> <laughs> and a random carry by a wild Chuck Billy. <laughs> I think we found our clip for this show. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I can't. My throat is kind of hurt. I seriously, um, on my computer, I have um, our top three folder. I already have one set up for October for the Testament one because I'm going to start. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. Just <laughs> because we all know someone's going to pick the New Testament album to be in their top oh, oh, three. Oh, I, I think Pat's already called it. So, oh, okay. Well, uh, then there it is. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty much like grabbed out some vice grips and says, who's got questions? <laughs> <laughs> well, more power to him. That's yeah, All so right. it's, it's, it did the same thing with Volby, too. Yeah, I figured as much. I, I was like, man, Volby would be a great pick for my June top three. Oh, Pat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he pretty much came up to me and said, I've got the new, I, I want the new Volby, and then did a whole long string and an, an impression of the guy. And I was like, um. <laughs> was it, it actually, in, like, comprehensible at no, all? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's actually one of, the, one of the better things from his Volbeat review is just going listening to Volbeat albums and trying to figure out what he says. <laughs> That, that That is a great joke, and I think we should just do an entire video about that. Right, we got the new album here. We can just record ourselves doing it right now. <laughs> anyway, let's keep on going with recording news here. Uh, Prophets of Rage, we all know that they are the super group now with Rage Against Machine, Chuck D, and Be Real. They entered the studio with producer Brian, uh, Brendan O'Brien, who's worked with Rage before, uh, June 14th to record their original track, The Party's Over, according to Billboard.com. The song has been played at the group's various live shows thus far. You can expect to hear hear it throughout their summer touring. Right on. So I'm hoping for a record from these people. That'd be really fucking cool. Uh, I thought that's what they were they were doing, or it was just they're doing the one. They're track. just doing the single. Oh. Well, either way. <laughs> uh, Firewind, which is Gus G's band when he's not playing with Ozzy, has entered the studio to begin recording its eighth album for a late 2016 release. Gravedigger have set a January 13th, 2017 release date for their new album via Napalm Records. Napalm Napalm's Records. another one. Yeah. And Suicidal Tendencies has set a September 30th release date for their yet as as yet untitled new album. And that is it for recording news. That's, that's, that's a lot of news. So let's talk about touring news. And I'm seeing a lot of the word not in here. Yeah, like, unfortunately. More, more so than I'm the man by, by Anthrax. So I'm getting <laughs> upset here. Um. Awesome tour not coming to Texas at all. Clutch will be back on the road this fall, headlining another leg of their U.S. tour. Support on the trek will come from Zach Sabbath, Zach Sabbath, which is Zach Wilde's Black Sabbath cover band, um, and King. Here's an interesting one. Chino Moreno from the Deftones was the artist selected to play Secret Solstice Presents Inside the Volcano within Iceland's 
many, many consonants. An Icelandic volcano yesterday, Saturday, June 18th. The event marked the first time in history an artist has performed publicly inside a volcano, which is sure to be an incredible experience for only 20 paying ticket holders. Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> Seeker Solstice's event is a world first for being held inside a volcano, not on one. Usually these things kind of happen on, like, you know, on the slopes of Mount Doom. Um, guests were lowered 400 feet inside the earth where the performance was held inside the volcano's dormant magma chamber. <laughs> Magma. We need a fucking Dr. It's Evil like, fucking clip now. It's like they Magma. watched an episode of Metal Octopus. I know, right? He's like the most metal thing ever. Like, yeah, we gotta do this. <laughs> fuck I, nature. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I, fuck nature. I don't trust uh, the well, dormant is, magma. No, apparently, no, apparently I, I, I read later on in the article that this, this volcano has been dormant for thousands of years. There's like absolutely no activity whatsoever. I believe in coincidence. <laughs> it's because you don't like the Deftones doesn't mean this is going to happen, Dan. <laughs> I'm just saying, like I would, I would like, like if if it was like, um, something. Awesome. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of something like so insanely, obscenely amazing, like. They resurrect somebody and they're playing one show inside a volcano. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. So I, Freddie Mercury comes back yes, from the dead. If, if, Queen, <laughs> if, if Freddie Mercury comes back from the dead, they do a full-on Queen show with John Deacon on bass. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would risk my life to see that one. <laughs> your, your dormant magma chamber can suck my dick, <laughs> dude. It's fucking Freddie. Anyway, we can go on this for days. Hey man, you've seen The Descent, right? There's no. some shit that can live. <laughs> yeah, like we're we're talking about like construction lights here, like on the strings, little bulbs and shit like that. Because he, he has like a fucking like like a battery powered like pocket amp. Like at, at at best, we've got I Am Legend monsters in there. Throw, throw some more at them, or or what's what was the other movie that that Shyamalan movie with signs? The vil- oh signs, yeah. At signs. worst, we've got Alone in the Dark, which means Christian Slater's somewhere nearby. <laughs> Sorry, Christian Slater, you were awesome in, in the Tremors. Later, later seasons of Archer. Tremors. Tremors. Or, what was it? Holes. Shia LaBeouf's going to be there. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> God damn it. Terrible. Anyway, moving away from volcanoes. Moving away from volcanoes. But here is a fucking awesome show that's coming to Texas. And not only Texas, but San Antonio. Ghost has announced their Pope Star. Yes, that's right. Pope Star. U.S. headlining tour. 35-city run that will include San Antonio... October 28th at the Aztec. The best place to see that fucking band. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Well, it seems like the only place they come around to at this point. <laughs> Deep Purple have canceled the two shows that they were scheduled to play in Sweden this week, uh, which was uh, Tuesday, June 14th in Stockholm and Wednesday, June 15th in Gothenburg, uh, after one of the band members became ill. No further details have yet been made available by the group or the promoter. Um, something since then has been announced. Um, Ian Pace, um, I think he had a stroke. Oh, shit. But the, the way he, like, it was an interview done with him, and he said, I had a mini, I think it was a stroke. I had a mini stroke. I was like, there is no such thing as a mini stroke. <laughs> you can't have a little bit of something like that. <laughs> I can't remember what comedian said it. I, it, was, I, it was either George Carlin or Rodney Carrington. It's like, you can't have just a little bit of cancer. You have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Like you can't have a little bit of something. It's like you talking to our dad. 
about getting his like his little skin patches lanced off. I was like, yeah, just a little bit of cancer. What? Dad. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, by the way. Yeah, it's like I had a mini stroke, no big deal. I was like, no, a stroke is a big fucking deal. Oh my god. Speaking of Sweden, uh, Filter canceled its concert in Sweden uh, on Monday, June 13th after several band members received death threats. They were scheduled to play at Sticky Fingers in Gothenburg as part of a European tour with Combi Christ, but called off the performance just hours before taking the stage. A Filter representative told TMZ.com that the threats, which were sent electronically and and mentioned specific members as well as the venue, weren't taken lightly. The representative added that last week's shooting death of Christina Grimey, a former contestant on NBC's The Voice, during a post-show meet-and-greet and the mass shooting in Orlando played a role in Filter's decision to scrap the Gothenburg concert. Which is all well and good, obviously. Well, the thing is then, like, two days later, the venues came out and said, or came into their own defense and saying they didn't receive any death threats. Filter's just kind of, like, copping out. So... I don't know. Obviously, you don't want to take anything like, like that too ser- too lightly. Yeah. So who knows who's right on either side? I don't know if you put it in here, um, but uh, at the drive-in, reunited and everything, they uh, they apparently were going to play a show at the Terminal Five in, in New York. Uh huh. Um, canceled the show after the doors were open. Yeah, I know. People were pissed. Yep. Yep. I actually do mention not that specific show, but I might as well just skip to it right now. At the Drive-In have now canceled the remaining days of their North America tour. Oh, wow. As a result of frontman Cedric uh, Zavala losing his voice. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm only at a certain part of it. Yeah, I'm at the very end. Yeah. It's the last thing that came out. As somebody, um, I saw a couple of discussions about it on on Facebook because some people I know uh, are fans of theirs. And apparently, like, they showed up, they had drinks and as soon as it was announced they were canceled they were kicked out they couldn't even finish their drinks or anything they were just like get they out just get, wow get the fuck out so they were they were pushed out the door and said go home wow that so, sucks. Man, sucks that so. really sucks alright uh, Ghost were actually forced to cancel their appearance at UK's uh, Download Festival last Sunday uh, Ghost issued a statement via the festival's official Twitter account saying we regret to inform you that due to a severe case of laryngitis Ghost will not be able to perform at Download 2016. Yeah, Papa comes out later and says, yeah, I've got a little bit of laryngitis. <laughs> no, Just you have laryngitis. <laughs> got a touch of the itis. Uh, <laughs> a mild case of... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right, here's an awesome tour not coming to San Antonio. Cody and Cambria will be joined by Saves the Day and uh, Palafia on upcoming North American headlining tour. Cody and Cambria I've been getting more and more into as I've been listening to them, and Palafia was one of those bands, I think they released an album like a month or two ago that I really liked, so that's a shame. Pete, for you, Five Figure Death Punch. Got your sex. Papa Roach, 6 a.m., and From Ashes to New will be touring Canada together in September. Stay there. <laughs> Stay there. <laughs> Fucking Canada. Now, this... this this is an amazing tour, oh. not coming to the U.S. at all. Amana Marth have tapped Testament and Grand Magus Holy as support shit. for their upcoming U.K. Ireland tour. Yeah, seriously. Um, you Swedish bastard. Like, <laughs> that is a fucking bill right there. Jesus Christ. I, I want to say, I, I, speechless. I love Ireland, but I don't love Ireland. Right <laughs> like, fuck those guys right now. God damn it. Um... Another awesome tour not coming to San Antonio. Baroness will spend a good part of the summer headlining a newly announced North America tour with Paul Bear as support on all non-festival appearances. Oh, man, that would have been a great show. Right. 
Fucking hell. Paul Bear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. That's, their shit is good. Like, no, we're just making fun of the, 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 the wrestling manager. Oh, I don't know. No, Paul Remember, we were in Ireland and we had that driver who looked like Paul Bear? Or yeah. was that Scotland? No, I think that was Ireland. That was yeah. Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah that, that's another end joke. <laughs> All right. Halloween have been forced to uh, cancel their Japanese tour due to the sudden illness of drummer Daniel Lobel. Uh, in the morning hours of June 14th, he was hospitalized with appendicitis. Oof. He underwent an emergency, emergency surgery. His doctors have strongly advised him to rest for several weeks. Uh, due to Danny's condition, the band has no choice but to postpone the scheduled Japanese tour that was supposed to start Sunday in Hiroshima. The promoter, which is Creative Man Production Company Limited, is currently working on rescheduling the dates. A little bit of appendicitis. Just a little bit. You know. Now all I'm thinking about is that Simpsons episode where he cuts the appendicitis out and he throws it and it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if only it were that easy. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> in addition to previously announced opener, opening acts Allison Chains and Lenny Kravitz, uh, Guns N' Roses revealed that Chris Stapleton, Billy Talent, The Cult, and Skrillex will warm up crowds in, their, in select cities on their new tour coming up. I still want to see The Cult so badly. Yeah. Yeah, this, is, this upsets me. All the bands I want to see are opening for Guns N' Roses. <laughs> well, last bit of uh, touring news here. Due to a family emergency, Architects have canceled their current European touring in addition to their planned North American tour that was due to commence next month with counterparts sworn in and make them suffer. Did they cancel the entire tour or just their they canceled, they canceled. They're involved in the European touring and they canceled the entire North American tour. Boo. Yeah. Boo. That's it for Tory News. Let's go on to heavy metal in the charts. And, and then we'll take a piss. Some, what? <laughs> I said, then we'll take a piss. Oh. I was say, like, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of announcing shit. <laughs> but yeah, so just a couple quick quick points here before we get into the full list. Uh, Hell Yes, fifth album, Undeniable, with an exclamation point, as an I. <laughs> <laughs> Debut at number 18 on the Billboard Top 200, having shifted 21,000 equivalent album units in the week ending June 9th. In terms of pure album sales, Undeniable opened with 20,000 copies. Seal the Deal and Let's Boogie, the best album title of 2016. Uh, and it's the sixth full-length album from Volbeat, debuted at number four on the Billboard Top 200, having shifted 51,000 equivalent album units in the week ending June 9th. In terms of pure album sales, Seal the Deal and Let's Boogie opened with 48,001 copies because I bought it. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm gonna want to see who the top three are above them. All right, so let's move on to top 200. What did I just do? What did you break? I didn't do nothing. You're breaking everything. Oh, okay. Breaking well, if you want to know what's above Volbeat, you're gonna be disappointed. What's this thing? Respond? Oh, what the fuck? Because you got Drake, okay, Beyonce, okay. Well. Paul fucking Simon has a new album out called Stranger to Stranger that debuted at number three. Oh, okay. I'm well, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally it, surprised. I did not know that was even coming. As long as it's above Immortalized. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Now that we... Chris Stapleton, I don't even know who he is really, but he has an album out that actually is at number 14. Okay. So I'm just... 
for well, good for you opening for Guns N' Roses. Yeah, uh, we mentioned Hell Yeah, Undeniable is at number eighteen. Pretty much the very best of Prince is at number twenty-one. And man, when I went to <clears throat> a couple different Best Buys and like Target and Walmart, he's still in the new releases section. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. like full on, too, sold of, out. End cap of shit you need, and half of it's Prince. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Beartooth. Um, I don't really know anything about this band. I've just seen the name a lot, but they're on the, also the, the Hard Rock charts this week. Uh, their new album, Aggressive, debuts at number 25. Okay. Okay. Disturbed and Mortalized take a little bit of a drop here at um, number 42, coming down from 34. Purple Rain is at number 44. Mm. Panic at the Disc, no. Hammer at the Disco. That's <laughs> my, my band name. Okay. Yeah. Train. <clears throat> <laughs> no, no, no. This is interesting because I think I, I didn't look it up yet, but it's called Does Led Zeppelin 2, which if you just take that title alone, it sounds like Train recorded Led Zeppelin 2. Like, re-recorded as themselves. The problem here is that... Led Zeppelin I've, 2 is amazing. You don't need to touch it. I've not heard the word train in reference to the band and the word interesting in the same sentence. <laughs> Unless you're trying to say it's interesting how much train sucks. <laughs> I, I, just, I just find it interesting that they release an entire album recording another person's album. <laughs> Like I, I, I didn't like I said I didn't look into this at all. But when I saw that, uh, that just seemed weird. Anyway, it's new and it's debuted at number seven. Yo, Doug, I heard you like Led Zeppelin, so we're gonna butcher Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Apparently, they're taking a beating in their uh, their trial for uh, <laughs> for copyright infringement. They just rang the bell and punches started going. <laughs> like they, it's not going very well. Apparently, on, on the third day. Oh, here we go. I didn't get a chance to listen to this one, but the Claypool Lennon Delirium, their album Monolith of Phobos. Yeah. Uh, Their new record, their first one, is um, at number 84. Okay. Which I forgot to listen to. I had that queued up. Yeah. Just just another chance for Left Claypool to be wacky. With John Lennon's offspring. Why not? Uh, Prince's Ultimate is at number 95. Queen's Greatest Hits 1, 2, and 3 is at 101. One direct, no. <laughs> One D. <laughs> One Between D the five of them. <laughs> Greatest hits by Guns N' Roses at 111. The Beatles, number ones at 117. Pierce the Veil, Misadventures is at 122. 1999 by Prince is at 124. Metallica's Black Album is at 125. Radiohead's newest album is at 129. Google Dolls greatest hits. Their their pre Iris days. Uh, ACDC Back in Black is at 141. Mm-hmm. Thrice is at 145. Uh, Lacuna Coil Delirium is at 147. Mm-hmm. Best of David Bowie is at 156. The Legend of Johnny Cash is at 158. Creedence Clearwater Revival Greatest Hits at 167. Central Billy Joel at 169. 
Thriller, 177, back on the charts. Dixie Chicks, no. Really? Yeah. That's not even, that's not even a good joke. <laughs> Five Finger Death Punch, 185. No. Wow. You're, six, you're like 15 away 15 from getting away. them out at the end there, buddy. No. <laughs> Elton John's Greatest Hits is at 187. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Greatest Hits at 189. Mud Crutch, another Tom Petty thing, is at 193. Bad by Michael Jackson is at 196. Nevermind's at 199. And that is it for anything I am remotely interested in. No! <laughs> <laughs> it's losing its power. It's the 90s well, all over again. Well, like, here we go. I'm going to do the hard rock charts, too, because we had a couple of new releases in that area here. And the top four are all new releases. All right. So you got number one, Volbeat, Seal yeah. the Deal and Let's Boogie. Number two, Hell Yeah. <laughs> Hell nah. <laughs> number three is Beartooth. Number four is Train, doing Led Zeppelin. Two. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, no, that no, was no, terrible. Now I'm just imagining the fucking singer doing that whole around the, around the room thing, walking on the ceiling and shit. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Disturbed Immortalized is at number five. Lacuna Coil is at number six. Pierce of Veil is at number seven. Thrice is at number eight. Five Finger Death Punch, number nine. Rob Zombie is number ten. Issues, number eleven. Death Angel, number twelve. Deftones at number thirteen. Um, Micah? Micah. Micah, number fourteen. And Hatebreed, number fifteen. Wait. Death Angels above the Deftones? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't expect that. Well, last week they were at number four, because remember their album came out at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, still so they're still relatively new. Okay. On the charts. Still cool. Still cool. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's really, really awesome. And I like the fact that Hatebreed's still on there, you know. Five-figure Death Punch losing that hold. <laughs> hey, it's still in the middle of the hard rock charts, so you can't yeah, complain about that. The, uh, <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for Heavy Metal in the Charts. So now let's head over to the New York side of things with Pat and Reese doing a new segment of Brutal Tube. Uh, we're recording, aren't we? Oh, that's what that green light means. Hey guys, welcome once again to Brutal Tube. Pat and Reese here from the New York Shred Shack crew. And in this segment, we scour the internets and find the nerdiest, most creative, or most downright hilarious bits of metal-related media we can find streaming for all to see. And in case you couldn't tell, this one is DuckTales related. If you guys don't know what DuckTales is, you have not watched anything YouTube related ever. <laughs> You're obviously not a fan of Brandle Floss. No. Um, DuckTales was a show created in the 90s, which was about Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Are we really giving this much detail into DuckTales and not the YouTube channel that we're talking about here? That's enough on DuckTales, because right. Pat wants to move on. But this one goes on to a very talented guitar player named E-Rock. Yes, uh, his YouTube channel, 331 E-Rock. If you've ever seen your favorite TV show, Meets Metal, You've seen this guy. He's been doing a lot of heavy metal covers for the past couple of years, and he has been putting out videos for the past, uh, I'd say, three or four years. Yeah, doing he's this. been doing this for a very long time. I remember his Skyrim video showed up that, on Angry Joe's <laughs> Skyrim review, and that yeah. was like four years ago. Uh, that, that was still still one of my favorites that he's ever done. Yeah. Um, but definitely give a chance. Listen in. 
You don't even have to watch it. Just turn it on. Oh, yeah. I, he actually, on his website, I don't know if he still does this, but he used to make it so that you could download every song that he yes. did. So that's always good. So check that out if he's still doing that. Um, you can also subscribe to his Patreon. He has one of those. You can check him out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eric-Calderon. That is his actual name. And uh, this one is a more recent one. Uh, past couple weeks, actually. Yeah. And you know what? One of my favorite TV shows of all time. So you know what? Let's play it. Actually, it's not even from the TV show. Is this from the video game? Yes. Even better! The DuckTales video game is known for having one of the like most surprisingly good soundtracks. Almost, it has one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. And uh, I think one of the more famous songs from it is the second level, which is the moon level. And guess what E-Rock decided to he cover? He did the moon level, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yay! So uh, we're going to play that right now. This is E-Rock with DuckTales' moon theme meets metal on this week's episode of Brutal Tube. You guys got suggestions for us? Facebook.com slash The Shred Shack. Crazy. Duck in space. Yeah, you're really you're greedy and you're old. old. We should do Brunel Floss at some point in the oh, future. Oh, definitely.
Welcome back to the New York side of things again for the top 10 worst moments of heavy metal. Take it away, guys. Hey guys, Pat and Reese here from the Shred Shacks New York crew with yet another top 10 list. Now, last time we did the top 10 dick moves in heavy metal. And uh, this time, to kind of shake things up a bit, but kind of keep it on the same tier, we're going to do the 10 worst moments in heavy metal history. Why yeah. are we doing this to ourselves? Because it's important to know our history. And also, it's important to point out when people are being douches. But this isn't really about being douches. This is just horrible moments. This is about people being douches to metal. I see what you did there. Yeah. I was smart about it. Pretty much all of these can be blamed on like one or two specific people, with the exception of, uh, you know, accidental deaths or things like that. So, I'm going to blame the government. I blame the schools. So uh, we're going to get started right now with number 10 on our list of the most horrible moments in heavy metal history. Here we go. Number 10. Number 10 moment is, of course, Disney's House of Blues banning unwholesome bands. This is a more recent thing, probably the most recent thing on the list. Uh, in the past few years alone, uh, bands like Machine Head, Exodus, Skeleton Witch, uh, Let Live, and more have been banned from playing Disney's House of Blues for life. For reasons such as violent imagery, inflammatory lyrics, and here is the worst one, undesirable fans. Fuck you, Disney. Happiest place on earth, my ass. But uh, Machine Head had a really amazing response to this. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. No, I didn't. They have a t-shirt that has in the Disney lettering, it says undesirable fan. That's why we love Machine Head. Indeed. And plus, you know, they play great music. Oh, well, goes without saying. Number nine. Number nine. We got a Metallica threefer here. Metallica threefer. All right, All right then. Let's... I couldn't decide on which place these needed to be, so I kind of lumped them all together. And don't worry, there is another Metallica further down the line. Um, we kind of touched on this last time we did a top ten list, but it seems like every time GNR toured with Metallica, there was a riot, especially when James Hetfield was set on fire by a pyrotechnics incident in 1991. Axel cut the set sh short for when Axel went on after that, and the crowd responded by rioting. It's kind of not Axel's fault on that one. His friend kind of went up in the f you know flames. Yeah, but I mean, after that, Axel just decided to cut the set short. Douche. Yeah. Uh, also, 2000, uh, Metallica took aim at Napster after a demo of I Disappear surfaced online, and Lars Ulrich was made into a punchline from that moment on. Um, you've seen the Camp Chaos cartoon, right? You've seen South Park, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I can actually decide which one I think is funnier, the, uh, the South Park episode or the money good Napster bad <laughs> video. But, uh, finally, why don't you take this one? 2003's MTV Icon episode for Metallica was one of the worst received by metal fans ever! Nice channeling of Chris Jericho there for that. <laughs> God, it was horrible. The appearances from Fred Durst, Snoop Dogg, and probably the worst offender of all. I'm not talking about Sum 41. They were actually pretty decent. Yeah. You were talking about Stained then? No, I'm actually talking worse. I'm talking Avril Lavigne. Uh, performing Fuel. I almost forgot about that. And Metallica headbanging to it. Yeah, they enjoyed it. I remember yeah. that now. Uh, I'm sure th I, I, they may have been back on the drugs at that point. I think they'd have to be. To, to enjoy that horrible experience. Ugh. It was not very good. No. To say the least. That's why that show died, thank God. Number. Headbangers Ball gets canceled. Yeah. What the fuck? 
Yeah, the show got canceled. Uh, it ran on MTV from 1985 to 1995. It was like the haven for heavy metal fans in terms of pop culture and things like that. And the show was abruptly canceled without any warning to fans or even the production staff. The host, Ricky Rackman, did not know that it was canceled. Yeah, he pretty much just like showed up for work and they were like, oh, you're done. Yeah. He's like... Wait, what? Uh, I was brought back in 2003 with Jamie Jasta as the host, but it wasn't well-received by fans or the critics, and eventually it just changed into, like, a two-hour metal block of music on MTV2. And then it just turned into, like, another reality show. I think we need an MTV3 so that we can get music back on television. I don't think that will ever happen. Uh, I could dream. Number Number seven, the Columbine Massacre is blamed on heavy metal music. I'm surprised they didn't, you know, start blaming stuff on video games then. They did. Oh, they did? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But uh, heavy metal was a big scapegoat for this. Uh, in 1999, obviously, the Columbine Massacre took place in Colorado, and blame for the shootings was point pointed at a number of metal artists, including uh, KMFDM and Ramstein, with a lot of parents looking towards Marilyn Manson. You know, none of his lyrics have to do with murdering people, like a school. No, no, but, you know, people jump to conclusions. And uh, if you ever wanted a case where you have no reason to believe that Manson could be responsible for this sort of thing, watch the movie Bowling for Columbine, because his scenes in that yeah, are his great. Yeah, his scenes were really good. I mean, he actually talks about, you know, how it was a horrible event, people just going after him, going yeah. crazy. Almost like, makes you feel bad for him. Almost. Almost. Number. Ozzy and Judas Priest accused of subliminal messages. Seems like heavy metal's the only musical genre where, like, subliminal messages are a constant problem. Yeah, for some reason, they keep it keeps going back to the, oh, they, you know, it's secretly about the devil. You it's just gotta Satan. play the record backwards, and you see, and you hear them say, praise Satan, or kill yourself. Or, of course, if you ever watch Little Nicky, all you need to do is play some Chicago. And it'll go. That's where all the subliminal <laughs> messages are. I believe it. But um, in 1985, two fans of Judas Priest shot themselves with shotguns after listening to the song Better By You, Better Than Me. And the argument was made that the song has the words, do it, in the background. Which, so, you know, Rob Halford even pointed out, he was like, do, do what? And, you know. Have, so, a, have a drink, give money to the poor. Like, you know, like. You know, to eat that, eat, do it, eat that food. Yeah, go, eat that food. Oh, you know what? Just do it. Just go running. Just do it, Nike. <laughs> that would be a horrible <laughs> time for Nike to start up a new ad campaign. These guys just did it. You just do it. <laughs> oh. Ugh. Too soon? going to hell for that. <laughs> well, it was in 19... What? 1985? I think we're a little past it by now. All right. And also in 84, uh, an Ozzy Osbourne fan committed suicide while listening to Suicide Solution. Despite the fact that the kids suffered clinical depression and the song talks about the dangers of alcohol and not really suicide, yeah. uh, the parents sued Ozzy Osbourne anyway. Um, the lyrics of the song aside, it was argued that there were the words, get the gun and shoot in the background if you play it at a certain level. Uh, he was, uh, acquitted of these charges. Yeah. That didn't stop another person from accusing him of this in 91, though. I'm sorry, but where did these people come up with the idea that, where did they find these words in the background? I think Bill Hicks said it best. If you're playing your records backwards... You are Satan. <laughs> I am Satan, ruiner of needles. <laughs> Number. Five. 
Randy Rhodes and Cliff Burton's accidental deaths. Now, these are really on here just because of the impact it left on heavy metal as a whole. Yeah. And uh, in 82, I still don't understand why the hell this happened. And apparently neither does Ozzy. I saw the uh, the documentary, uh, you know, God Bless Ozzy Osbourne. Mm -hmm. And apparently he had no idea why Randy would do this. but Because uh, it's Randy? Well, yeah, but Ozzy, Ozzy's tour bus driver uh, took up a small airplane while the rest of the crew was sleeping, and he invited a couple people on so that they could constantly like do some like daredevil dives towards the bus. And while Randy was on board, the uh, plane's wing clipped the bus. Everyone on board thought they had hit something, but the bus was parked because <laughs> the tour bus driver was in the plane. Yeah. And uh, the plane crashed. It was a huge fire, and... Randy unfortunately died, and also there was in uh, 1986 with yeah, Metallica's Metallica. bus crash. Yeah, uh, in '86 during the Damage Inc. tour, Metallica's bus crashed. It ran off the road. It launched uh, bassist Cliff Burton through the window and ran him over. Uh, ow. Yeah, uh, and it's also been said that the driver was pretty drunk at the time. Well, considering if you ended up crashing, launching a crew, launching you know the bass player through the window, and then running, and him then over. running him over. Yeah. You might be drunk. I think it's safe to say that the real lesson for both of these is keep a better control of your tour bus drivers. Yeah. Because they're usually the ones keeping everyone else in control. Yep. Moving on. Number. The PMRC tries to ban heavy metal music. This one is just stupid. Oh, ridiculously. In 1985, the government committee was started by none other than Tipper Gore. Yeah. What Al the hell Moore's is she wife. doing? She had a lot. She was actually everyone who was in charge of the uh, the PMRC was a member was a wife of a member of Washington. At yeah, the time. and uh, they, they should have had no power or say whatsoever. Well, they had the goal of increasing parental control over the access of children to music that's deemed to have violent, drug related, or sexual themes. They were the ones who eventually passed the parental advisory sticker. And these well, are some the, of the songs that they had. They have a, a list called the Filthy 15, and they were the 15 songs they found the most objectionable. Why the hell would anybody do this? Uh, on this list is uh, Judas Priest, Seat Me Alive, uh, Motley Crue's Bastard, ACDC's Let Me Put My Love Into You, uh, Merciful Fates Into the Coven, and Cindy Lauper's Shebop is on this list. There's a lot of stuff that should not be on here, like Madonna is on this, and, you know, Vanity, and Prince is what? on here, because they didn't want anything that had anything to do with sex, violence, or the occult, or drugs. I mean, I know some of them have to do with sex, violence, and drugs, and maybe a little on the occult side. Yeah. But why do you care? Well, because they are trying to shave the children. Won't somebody think of the children? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, one good thing that did come out of this uh, is that we had a couple of very notable speakers against yes, we, the... Yes, we definitely did, yeah, which we, is uh, still... I forgot. Oh, what documentary? The was Metal of Headbangers Journey? Yeah, the Metal of Headbangers Journey. Yeah. They showed uh, Dee Snyder, who showed up in like a plain-crusted, like, day-old T-shirt, <laughs> acid-washed jeans... <laughs> He just comes and he's, sits down, puts on his glasses, pulls out like his notes from like crumpled up loose leaf, and just starts ripping into them. <laughs> he took it out of the ass pocket of his jeans. Yes. I love that. 
Um, my favorite parts of it, though, were Frank Zappa was also there, mm -hmm. and he had one of my favorite lines ever. He said, this is treating dandruff by decapitation. Yeah. Uh, by basically saying, like, you know, if you just kind of shut down music, it's kind of like, you know, ruining everything for everybody. And one of the biggest speakers against it, John Denver. John Sunshine John on my goddamn shoulders, John Denver. John Denver. Yeah. John Denver. John Denver was so against censorship in any way, shape, or form that he took the stand for this. And as a result, like, the PMRC originally wanted these things banned, and then they eventually settled on a parental advisory sticker. Which is kind of awesome, because now you know which, you know, albums to buy. They're the ones with the curses. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tipper. Number three. Okay, this one just pisses off every <laughs> single metal fan possible. Rightfully so. Jethro Tull winning the fucking Grammy. In 1988, Jethro Tull's Crest of a Knave won the very first Grammy for Best Hard Rock and Metal Performance. Okay, we both know what this album sounds like. It sounds like Jethro Tull. It's not heavy at fucking all. Well, not only that, but also like uh, Jane's Addiction's uh, Nothing Shocking was also nominated, and that's like borderline rock yeah. but but uh the other nominees were blow up your video by acdc uh iggy pops cold metal and of course and justice for all by metallica and all of those lost out to jethro tull this is why we can't have nice things the next year when metallica won their grammy for i think their performance of one they said we'd like to thank jethro tull for not putting out an album this year <laughs> <laughs> always trying to keep metal down Indeed. Number. Randy Blythe is put on trial for murder. This one was bad. Yeah, this went on for a long time. In uh, 2010, just to give a little background on this, during a Lamb of God show in Prague, a uh, fan jumped on stage and was pushed off by Randy landing on his head. Uh, within a few days, that fan had died. Okay, first off, how did that fan get on said stage? He climbed up onto the stage from the from the crowd. No security? That was one of the main arguments, that there was very little security at the show. Okay. So uh, red flag number one. Two years later, uh, the Czech Republic arrested Randy Blythe on charges of manslaughter. Whether it was involuntary or voluntary, I don't actually know. But um, he faced five to ten years in prison. And he served a couple of days. Because yeah, he, he was in jail a few days. Because he had to prepare for court. Uh, the court eventually ruled that he was not criminally liable for the fan's death, but he was morally responsible, which is... That makes no freaking sense. What I do know. they mean by morally responsible? It means... Because somewhat people weren't doing their job. This kid got on stage. I hate to say it, unfortunately, he got thrown off stage and he died. Yes. It sucks. It's bad that the kid died. But he should not have been able to get up on the stage in the first place. That's really what, what saved Randy in court, is the fact that he should not have been able to. The fault really lied with security and with the venue itself. Exactly. And also, uh, after the trial, like a lot of people criticized Randy Blythe in the Czech government. They criticized Randy for never contacting the family of the victim. After his trial, he did get in contact with them, and he made, made it perfectly clear they were not there to attack him they just wanted answers so did he even know the kid died and when until they arrested him i don't know i don't there honestly you go. know that's why he never contacted the family he probably yeah. didn't know yeah 
So we got one more on here, and I think you know what we're going to be talking about. Oh, uh, yep. Sorry. Number. Dimebag Daryl is murdered on stage. In December of 2004, Damage Plan was playing in Columbus, Ohio, when uh, Dimebag was shot and killed on stage by Nathan Gale. Yeah, uh, this is probably definitely one that still hits hard. Yeah. Because I remember when I found out about this. Oh, yeah, I found out the next day. My uh, Our friend Frank uh, came up to me, and he was like in angry denial. Yeah. Where like he was just like, no, it's not true. It's not true. Can't be happening. He was just pacing back and forth, and we had to find out eventually later on. You know, word doesn't travel as fast. Uh, word didn't travel as fast as yeah. in 2004. Yeah, but we still managed to like hop on the Yahoo, load it up. And then I thought it was ask dot com then. It wasn't. <laughs> ask didn't know anything about Pantera, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we went on Yahoo like later because we only had like a certain amount of time where we were allowed to be in front of a computer. Yeah, and somebody hopped on it and printed out the page, and there it was. And uh, that that hit really hard. And that's one of those things where it's like a lot of uh, fans in this generation of heavy metal uh, weren't alive for a lot of huge moments in music. Like, we were there, uh, we, we were alive, obviously, for, like, a lot of major arrests. Yes. We were alive for this. Like, we weren't alive for, like, when John Lennon got shot. No. Or, like, uh, we didn't care about music when Kurt Cobain was killed. Exactly. Well, he we, killed himself. But, but we, uh, this I, was a moment that was an instance. Yeah. This was definitely one that hit us really hard. Uh, it's also, this was probably, this was the first time that an artist was killed while performing. I think so. Just no no, I remember the, yeah. the I remember the some of the headlines saying this is the first time that this has ever happened. Yeah, and a lot of people actually because we are recording this um just a couple of days after uh, the singer from from The Voice yes. got shot in Orlando and uh, a lot of people were making a lot of comparisons to that Pantera's page on Facebook actually sent condolences. Yeah, they did. Because they said like it's very reminiscent of what happened in 2004. So, obviously, if you're talking about terrible moments in heavy metal history, fan or not of Pantera, you should be. Fan or not of Pantera, uh, Dimebag's death was a major blow to heavy metal. I need a drink now. Well, everybody depressed? Good. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys have suggestions for a future top ten list, let us know. Facebook.com slash The Shred Shack. Back to you guys in Texas, where hopefully you're talking about something a bit cheerier next time i'm picking the list all right fine all right so we were supposed to have uh, a band interview this week um we were actually gonna go see this band's show um i think last night or the night before the it was Friday. last night supposed to last, last night. night we were gonna catch them live last night and then we we're gonna actually have them come here to chris's place with the abundance of monster energy drink <laughs> <laughs> and actually do uh, – they were going to do the full-on podcast with us, and we were going to interview them in the process. Uh, unfortunately, they could not. Their show here got canceled, so uh, we weren't able to do that. But, Chris, you're still going to cover them for social media highlights, yep. so give them a shout. All right. The band is called Absence of Despair. <laughs> This 
another band from Tim, who hooked us up with I Apollo a few months back. Um, they're a metal band from Rhode Island, and I was super excited once I started listening to their tracks on um, their Reverb Nation page. Uh, they certainly fit in with the New England metalcore sound of bands like Killswitch Engage, All That Remains, and Shadows Fall. They have heavy riffs with some technicality thrown into the mix. They have a lot of melodic octave strumming and the occasional breakdown. Some really great guitar solos, and the production is actually outstanding. They have a mix of harsh uh, verses and clean choruses, very similar to anything of the bands I mentioned before. And it's certainly something that I'm a fan of. And as Dan mentioned, they were supposed to be here in San Antonio on Saturday. They're also supposed to be in Austin on Friday. So their whole Texas, both Texas shows got scrapped, which is why they didn't even come to town. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, the reason that they were scrapped here in San Antonio, apparently, I w- when I went to look up what was going on, um, the venue called them and said that they were accidentally double booked. Oh. Yeah, their show got the their show got the boot, and um, was, it the, was it the Xerox Corporation? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking Xerox. Um, and they were going to sit down, and we were all set. Like I was, I was talking to Tim, who's like their who works for their management company, and we were all set to go. Uh, just everything fell through at the last second, unfortunately. Uh, I really do hope they come around again because I want to catch them live because they are they are really fucking good. I was. Very impressed with what I heard on their on their page. They come around again. I hope they can, we can catch them. They can come here and sit down with us and have a chat. Uh, but in the meantime, you can check them out on Facebook.com slash Absence of Despair. They're also on Twitter at AOD Metal and ReverbNation.com slash Absence of Despair. I highly recommend checking out the track Monster Reborn, which features a guest appearance from Mark Hunter from Chimera. Right on. So hopefully we'll catch them next time they come around. Hopefully. Uh, Tim will probably keep us in the know just because, I mean, he just... For I Apollo and for Absence of Despair, he just sent us a message saying, hey, can we do something here? So he's been cool to us. So that's, that's, that's awesome. You like having that, that, bit of, uh, that bit of connection there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's close out the show with a discussion, which is probably our first discussion in about three weeks or so. Um, I have wanted to do this one for a while after seeing uh, a Watch Mojo video. Again, I watch a lot of those just top tens just to kind of pass time and whatnot um but my thoughts kind of started gearing towards the idea of selling out which hey anybody wants to endorse the shred shack (laughs) (laughs) it's like people do only things because they get paid and that's really sad there's a a handful of things i've said that i will sell my soul for like Uh, luprin little (laughs) yellow different uh paydays for one <laughs> uh, I, I fucking love paydays. Dan is a whore for paydays. Fucking paydays, and and maybe maybe a Snickers because those are fucking awesome. Um, a really good um, um, sesame chicken recipe. <laughs> so anybody who wants to endorse us, you know, any buffet place around here, hey, got a got a place you gotta try out if you really like sesame chicken. Later. This motherfucker right here <laughs> been holding out on me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know about his love of sesame chicken. Oh, man. dude, I, I, it's, it's, it's downright 
Nice. Yeah, oh, yeah I, no, I was I'm, on Sesame Chicken. I'm, I'm All right, who's going off of Sesame Chicken? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, don't make me hungry. <laughs> anyway, back on to talking about selling out. <laughs> You sell your soul for sesame chicken. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I would. I'll put that on a damn t-shirt. <laughs> we need some Shrine Shack t-shirts before we get into selling your soul for sesame no, chicken. No, fuck you. Sesame chicken. No. <laughs> anyway, um, so part of my concern here um, was that I feel like the term sellout or the idea of selling out is tossed around a lot mm-hmm. um, in the last since – I be, since I became more – cognizant of things since I gained sentience <laughs> um, and I wanted to kind of get an idea of how we feel Skynet about over here what? <laughs> so you're fucking Skynet, Skynet over here <laughs> I am Trapper Keeper from fucking the uh, <laughs> from the South Park episode <laughs> I um, am Trapper Keeper <laughs> but I wanted to get a feel for how we we view the idea of selling out and what exactly we think of it um, I also pulled up um the term sellout on uh, dictionary.com and pulled up two different um, two different definitions that I feel can apply to this. I'm going to go with the, the second one that I have here first because of the fact that it seems more in line with what I would think is quote-unquote selling out. Uh, it says a, a person who com- uh, compromises his or her personal values, integrity, talent, or the like for money or personal achievement. Now this is what I would assume, like, that's what I hear. That's what I think of when people say, like, selling out. I think that someone said, I'm going to do this because you're going to give me the fucking money to do it. Right. Now, apply that to a lot of people who have been um, um, labeled as sellouts. Like, did they do it? Did they do what they do for the sake of, of money? So let's talk about the biggest one. Let's talk about Metallica. Of course. So do you think that they're treading into um, a more um, fuck. treading into a more like like modernized more commercialized version of rock do you think that they they did that saying like let's get some fucking money so this the, the whole concept right, of selling out is something that gets thrown around a lot in metal yeah. right and it, it's almost unfairly done so at times because it means that is an artist never allowed to change their sound do they have to always put out the same album year mm-hmm. after year um but in Metallica's case, it's also a question of were they were they evolving or were they following the trends of the time, mm. right? And as much as I am a Metallica fan, as much as a, like everyone else in the genre was inspired by them, there's a part of me that can't help think that it really was just chasing what was popular, that it was for if nothing else like at least in Lars's case probably more so than in the others a money grab in a mm. lot of ways I, I feel though like especially later on um, if they were if they were trying to do if they were trying to capture something of the time they were just oblivious to it again with like St. Anger and they were saying like oh you know this is going to make people want to play harder and heavier where bands were getting harder and heavier at the time it's like but you completely you completely missed that that ladder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you were like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> but, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that like, the, the Black Album was necessarily geared toward them being 
money makers. No, necessarily. No, no, I, agree with that, yeah. I think I think that just they weren't going out to to they were going out to make a slim, simpler record, mm-hmm. and the fact is that you can you can see the the recording process in the year and a half in life of DVD. This is obviously before everything hit the sh- hit the fan yeah. and it became such a monster of a success. While they're recording it, they're just recording simpler songs. They're coming off Injustice for All, which is like the most progressive thing they've ever written. You got no tracks long, shorter than five minutes on that whole album, and playing at breakneck speeds, different sections, blah blah blah. They're going for a simpler, thicker sound. I don't think they were trying to, to specifically make money. They just wanted to make something that was a little bit easier for them to play, maybe if if that, um, and something that was a little bit more. I guess you would say arena rock, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's selling out. That's just they want to play to bigger crowds, and the ease, the way you get to play to bigger crowds is that you play stuff that's a little bit more accessible okay. to more people. Well, you know, that, I think the term for metal has that we we try to be so fucking anti everything yeah. that we kind of lose focus on the reason you're going into music in the first place, is not to make money necessarily, but to play fucking shows. If you're playing shows to 100 people, that's great, and you like that. Yeah. But these guys want to play. To a lot of fucking people. And to be able to do that, you can't just stick with one fucking sound. You have to change. You have to accommodate for everyone's taste, not just your own. Right. Um, Which is why I feel like bands who have been sorely labeled as sellouts is a band like Opeth. Yep. 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 They have progressed they have changed their sound they're not death metal anymore and and i think they're better fucking for it because there's just so much talent in that band to be pigeonholed into death metal is a fucking crime Mm. they are so much better than that and they have proved it on the last three records and the thing is despite the fact that they have a lot of naysayers they are more popular and more out there than ever before yeah and it's because of their progression and i think the reason i think metallica like the Black Album wasn't their sellout. Their sellout started with Reload when they rehashed Load. Mm-hmm. And then they continued to sell out by trying to do St. Anger. Because they even said it in, the, in, the, in some, kind of, uh, some kind of monster D, uh, DVD that they were trying to sound like what was going on at the time. That's why they cut solos. That's why they did this. That's why they did that. And it failed miserably. Yeah. Miserably. And you add that also with like terrible PR as well. Just yeah. Making the band look ridiculous. And so. then they tried to even do it again. I even Death Magnetic's like a sellout too because they're still trying to appeal to an older crowd. They're yeah. still trying to make money off of people they know who are going to buy the records. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to be artistic anymore. They're just doing what they know because they know people are going to fucking buy it mm-hmm. no matter what. So the later half of their career is definitely selling out. The Black Album, I don't think so. No, no. I would agree. And I, sorry, I think there's like another like angle to this too because, I mean, we're talking about almost from like a monetary perspective, right? Mm-hmm. But I think... Some in the definitions you posted, Dan. There's also this sense of like betraying like an ideal, yeah. right? Like, and so I actually went on to uh, did some actual research, like looking at, like what other people thought about this because I actually really like this discussion topic. And uh, I think it was on Reddit. I found some people talking about this, and they may not be metal, but they brought up uh, Jefferson Airplane. If you think about a band like that, who was like you know 70s counterculture hippie, very much anti-establishment. And then they transformed into Starship. And you have a song like We Built This City. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like, I don't know, maybe like a more pure sense of selling out and that you kind of just left whatever it was behind that you stood for, even if, 
I mean, I guess you can make an argument for evolving, but that seems like a pretty big shift. Yeah, like yeah I mean, that's, that's a completely artistic change, too. Yeah. Like, like, not only musically, but also, like, like you said, idealistically. Because, yeah. uh, like you said, Jefferson Starship was, Jefferson Airplane, I mean, it was a very counterculture act. I mean, yeah. White Rabbit is a drug song. Yep. It's about drugs, period. And to kind of shift gears and become such a pop mainstay, if you, if you think about it that way, is just a complete shift of gears. Um, same thing with a band like, again, not metal, Sugar Ray. When their first record's fucking great. It's heavy as shit. Mean Machine is a tough-ass song. And then they released everything else after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is just such a shift of, of being who you are. Like you changed your personality, you changed the way you write songs, you changed everything about yourself to make money. Well, you have you're talking about um, I think it was Lemonade and Brownies was the first one that they did, which is the the heavy album you're talking about. Yeah. And then they had their follow up, which had the song Fly. Fly is the only song on that album that sounds like that. That's the only like poppy song. And as soon as that hit, they were like, "Hey, there's money made here." Yeah, and they wrote everything else after that like that song. Yeah. And it's and that is ridiculous. That's that's what I can't stand about some of these bands, where they 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 get that one big hit and then their their entire discography is based on that. Stain is another one. I loved Stain's first album, Dysfunction. I think it was a great fucking piece of new metal that wasn't new metal at all. I mean, it wasn't the rap style. It, it was. Uh, did you hear their first first album? Yes. Tormented. Yes. <laughs> their yes. first first. Their album. first first album. <laughs> But then Outside happened, and that blew up, and then they released Breaking the Cycle, which became just started their trend towards sappy shit. That's like the soundtrack for San Antonio, that album, Breaking oh the Cycle. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I really liked Stain. Like, I thought they were great, because when I saw them open up for Korn, I thought they were better than Korn at the time. They were a hard rocking band. I liked Aaron Lewis's, not only his singing, but his 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 vocals were great but then outside and it just went to shit from that because then every single album since then it sounded like that mm. I just want to say that my favorite part of outside the original live version is Fred Durst Biloxi <laughs> this <laughs> is you, the real motherfucking deal y'all would you hear every hour on the hour on 99.5 Kiss, Kiss yep. FM yep. Yep. <laughs> every hour on the Get hour as loud as y'all <laughs> dude that's how many times I've heard that song, like, <laughs> to, the, to the point where like they don't even play like the studio version it's just that version <laughs> just that. <laughs> like, no, there's I, no other... I, I don't think I've ever heard the studio version on the radio yeah you know you they probably never will the, they only play the, live the studio version actually is so much better but regardless yeah um let's go to um another band um which is not necessarily metal but it, people throw it toward um Green Day. Again, there was that like, that the the way that metal looks at things, punk. Dude, punk's metal. like ten times harsher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and them yeah. signing to, them just signing to the major label. Like if they had signed to a major label and didn't receive success, just them signing to the major label was giving them the automatic bad feedback. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about when they released Dookie, right? Yeah, yeah, Dookie. yeah. yeah. And they, they still to this day, like if you watch like they're behind the music, I'm pretty sure like they, they Billy Joel said Billy Joseph Armstrong says on the uh, like the bathrooms of the venues they used to play when they were a smaller band used to say like fucking die <laughs> like that. But like I mean 
they were they still produced you know really good music, but because of the fact that they just kind of again this goes into the actually um, the first definition which Peter mentioned, which a person who betrays a cause, organization, or the like, a traitor. Just simply signing to a major label made them considered a traitor to the idea of punk. Um, but still, the music they came out with is generally good. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe not like later on. I heard some of like their like absolute latest stuff post 20, 21st century breakdown sucks. I heard, really? I heard. So I, I, I haven't heard anything after 21, 21st century breakdown. Yeah, so I, 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 they, they did like a trio. They did like the, the kiss thing. Oh, right, 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 right. It seems. But um, again, the music they came out with wasn't necessarily all that different. Again, it's a matter of, of, of when people hear you change the sounds to, to songs to something a little bit simpler, people are like, oh no, oh no, you're just... You're, you're going right. for a, a wider audience, which is what, what's the problem with that? I never hear it being slung toward Judas Priest when they hit. Um, I don't know the, Turbo. I think got they a got, lot of they, flack. They did get flack. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking, a lot of flack for that. I, well, that's yeah. Again, that's that's them going into the '80s. I'm talking about before that, hitting into um, breaking the law. You got another thing coming. These are really very strong attempts at being radio friendly. Right. But no one flings it at those tracks. People think of them as like the metal anthems, which are, they're great songs, but I mean, compared to some of their earlier stuff. With Sad Wings of Destiny. Yeah, like this, they, they, it's, it's an obvious attempt to appeal to a wider audience. Why don't you flag them for that? I think because they already were that successful that they were just kind of continuing the trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were already a, a big band by the time, or getting big by the time that those songs were, were hitting and they had to make I, I bet you if you were to go to England at that time that they were probably considered sell out to England but they'd be considered fucking amazing here in America because it was the like you know, the biggest time. hits yeah. again I think the thing the case for Metallica is that Metallica was the epitome of thrash metal and thrash metal was, of course you know in your face abrasive non-mainstream yada 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 and, and they were on the verge of, uh, of of greatness already because of the fact that Injustice for All and the video for One became a thing right you know they were they were they were opening for so many different acts they were doing these big extremely good tours so their name was already there I think that the popularity that they got from the Black Album was already poised to happen it just so happened that it got more because of the fact that it was more radio friendly yeah I, I think that's crap. I mean, yeah. I think the, the reason people make music is for people to hear it. I mean, if your goal is to just sit there in your basement and play for yourself, that's great. But if you're sitting there and putting enough effort to record an album like the Black Album, and if you watch, like I said, if you watch that year and a half from life of DVD, they put a lot of time and effort to record this music. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to make money, but God damn it, to make a good record. Yeah. And that's what I think gets lost sometimes yeah. in these sellout discussions is that, <clears throat> yes, granted, it they reach a much wider audience. They're much more accessible. There's more girls come to the show and whatnot. But they took time to write good fucking songs. And why are they not getting credit for that? You know, granted, it's not Master of Puppets Part 3, but you know what? Holier Than Now is a great fucking song. I'd much rather listen to that than anything they released after that. Yeah. So, Fuck. There's a certain, like, hypocrisy, I think, among, like, metal fans, especially in these different, like, subcultures. Like, I mean, punk, black metal, I mean, you're talking about some of the most Oh, my insular. God, those guys are really bad. Like, oh, yeah, black metal is like, if you release a second album, you're a fucking sellout, <laughs> almost. Like, it's just, you're not allowed to change at all. Um, if you don't sound like black metal from, like, late 80s, whatever, early 90s, 
you're out of the group. If you actually understand what you're saying. Yeah, you're like, not, I kind of wonder, enough. like, at this point, like, the true black metal community is, like, maybe, like, five people big. <laughs> They're all on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in the comment section. <laughs> um, and it's, like, so it's a certain hypocrisy because, like, they, they don't want their bands to change, but yet they'll cite bands like you were talking about, like Judas Priest and Metallica as being, like, inspirations. Like, well, wait a second. Like, how can you... How can you do that? You know what I mean? Like, why are you allowed to have these in your pantheon, but no one else can ever, you know, aspire to that? But I think the other thing that you're talking about, you know, in terms of like science of big label and stuff like that, is there's almost this assumption that once you get there, that you have automatically lost your artistic integrity because there must be some like corporate dude telling you, telling you what, to, you what do. to do. Like and the reason that your song is radio friendly and three and a half minutes long is because someone told you to get it there. You know what I mean? So there's a, a, like a distrust in these groups, I think, which may not always be the case. I mean, it could be that you actually still retain, you know, your artistic vision despite having the success. So I also question about, um, whether or not you can throw the term around to some artists who are like consistently changing or who have changed right. yeah. with the times, not necessarily for success, but just I'm thinking Alice Cooper here. Mm. You start off, you have psychedelic rock in the very early days. You go into just kind of general seventies hard rock, um, into kind of new wave, into eighties metal. Oh yeah. Into heavier new metal, nineties metal, and then just kind of trailing back to like 70s rock like you're changing over and over again and a lot of times you're doing it with the times but it's not always like you know hey he changed the sound and he got tons of money he just did it and he's consistent with the change what about these people who like do these changes um to these simpler structures or to anything like that but they don't actually get any like significant success for it slayer with their what was it south of heaven South Heaven album, and I think Diablos of Musica was actually slammed for being more new metal than anything yeah, else. Yeah, mm -hmm. to, to the point where even Kerry King to this day says we fucked up, we fucked up bad. Mm -hmm. um, so those that those are two examples of like Slayer, the like the ultimate non sellout band. Like they have not changed their sound in thirty years. They tried to change it twice, and they got fucking slammed for it. And it's a shame too because I like Diablos of Musica. I thought it was a really yeah. good album. Wow. And I thought South of Heaven is another great album yeah. just because yeah, they slowed things good. down a little South bit. God fucking forbid. Yeah. You know, um, I just I, th I just think that we as fans feel too entitled. Yeah. Uh, I think that everyone, I think everyone has their own opinions that, that that one band has to appease my opinion of them, not everybody else's. Yeah, I think that's hitting it right on the head is because they don't really owe us anything. No. You know, at the end of the day, like, I mean, why, why do I, someone who doesn't play like an instrument or anything like that, get to dictate what an artist has to do? Like, I don't know like, what's going you know on in their life at the time, despite the fact that we probably know a lot more now than we did back then. Sure. Um, I don't know what's going on in their heads, why they're writing the music they do. I just, I'm, most of the time I'm just happy that they are. Yeah, you know, and if it's good, it's it's to my benefit. And if it's bad, you know what? I don't have to fucking listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> just like Super Collider, I own the CD. I have listened to it twice. I can bitch all I want about it, but the fact of the matter is, is that I still went out and I bought it, and I don't consider that 
I don't consider Mustaine trying to sell out or anything like that. He just tried to do something different. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, because if you follow the, the follow the course of Metallica and their sound, Megadeth follow the same exact course. I don't very often hear the term sellout being flung toward them. No. I hear about Countdown to Extinction being a great fucking album. And that's pretty much their black album. Yeah. So I, I don't hear it as often being being flung their way. Um and even like when they did like Risk and whatnot, it was seen as an experimental album. It wasn't seen as a, as necessarily a sellout. It's probably because they didn't gain the success that Metallica did. And it's the success part that people consider Metallica being a sellout for because they became so massive. And, you know, again, Thrash Metal is supposed to be underground. Yeah. Fucking support the little guy. Yeah. And they're fucking millionaires now. And I think that's where a lot of people feel, you know, that they got slighted by. It's like, you, you guys were one of us. Now you're one of them. It's ridiculous because it's like there's no middle ground. Like at some point, like if they want to be artists, they have to fucking eat too. You know what I mean? Like they have to be able to attain some success. Yeah. Like we can't just say, oh, no, you can never do this. Although I have to say that as of late, Metallica has been throwing their name at crap. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You know, I mean, they've, they've kind of squandered a lot of that artistic integrity that we've talked about. Um, Tag battle. <laughs> Lulu. Yeah, yeah. Lutu, whatever. And then <laughs> that movie. I mean, honestly, that movie was such a fucking self masturbatory thing that they definitely did not need to put on fucking film. Yeah. yeah it was so ridiculous. There, there are a lot of things that they've done in the last few years that's like just them sitting around in a room, like getting high on fart fumes. Like that. <laughs> that's it. That, that is where they are legitimately called, being called like sellouts. I mean, they're just. They're on the verge of KISS level merchandising here as far as putting their name on anything. You know, which, yeah. which is funny because you can't label KISS as a sellout. They started selling before they, they were a band. Yeah. <laughs> Gene Simmons had his palace built in his dreams before he knew he was going to make money. He's like, I'm going to make that money. I'm going to get this fucking house. I'm going to bang a Playboy bunny and I'm going to fucking marry her. Blah, 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 blah. Gene Simmons was a sellout to begin with. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. There was no artistic in t integrity whatsoever behind yeah, he, his he, motivation. He came from he came from uh, overseas and just said, I'm ready to sell my soul. <laughs> so coming back to the money part, though, I mean, we do have to kind of talk about, like, sponsorships, right? Because it seems like a lot of times bands, like, okay, they'll flaunt their, like, the instruments they use. That's, like, mm -hmm. almost, like, even, like, yeah. like quote-unquote true metal bands do that. And it almost seems like no one has a problem with that, but... Where do you draw the line? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? We, we mentioned this when we saw Tim Owens, and he is a... He is mo monster. Yeah, he's, he's a monster, monster energy drink whore. Like, and this is coming from people who love... Yeah, and I mean, this is, this is not us bashing him for anything. I mean, I'm sure they pay for a lot of things yeah. that he does. But man, I did not realize it was to that extent. I mean, he's got the tattoo. The he's tattoo, the, the hat. He will take a drink in between... Solos. Like, Make sure I you mean, saw the like, yeah, the label yeah, while he was doing it. I mean, that's funny. I mean, it's it's to that point. It's like it's just obvious. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like like people only do things because they get paid. That's what yeah, I said. Like it's just it's like I hate to say this because I mean that show was really good, but it's a little like embarrassing. You know when it's to that level. Like I don't know. I yeah, don't I think know. that was that was that was a little over the top. Yeah, uh, for something like that. <laughs> I mean, I think people don't get nearly as much um, critique about that for instruments because it's what they use on tour. You know, even like, sure. you know, band, some guitarists, they start off playing one guitar and then if they get in 
endorsed by another brand guitar. Then they exclusively play that one guitar yeah. only, blah, 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 blah. That's legitimate. I mean, especially if they have input into, if it's a custom guitar, they have input into the design of the guitar, they have input into the sound of the guitar, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it's when it's just a material thing. True. Like Monster Energy Drink or God forbid, when I, think, when I see sports players in their fucking shoes and their fucking watches and all that, that has nothing to do with what you do for a living. Right. That's just absolutely selling your soul like we talked about for something else. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. Since we're talking about sponsorships and whatnot, a lot of these, um, you know, festivals and whatnot are run or sponsored by some bigger names. Yeah. So, like, uh, the Rockstar Energy Drink Tour. Which is Monster. Which is everything Monster has a label on because Monster actually has, like, multiple festivals throughout the country. Yeah, and then, you know, they're, they're sponsoring all these festivals and, you know, bands like, you know, like Slipknot are playing all of them. Yeah. You know, but like, I mean, how, how would playing these shows get viewed? You know, like... I, I think, I think the, sh- the shows themselves are not necessarily a problem because the fact of the matter is that they put together, number one, really good packages. Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about the Ozfest, not fest thing that's happening in California. Those are two really awesome shows. And the thing is, those shows also give a lot of, or not a lot, but they do give some attention to like the lesser name bands. They give a little bit more exposure to that. I mean, that's where like having a name brand behind you actually helps you. Yeah. You know, even bands like who are on like the second stage, you might see them one time and you might get hooked and then they might be the next fucking big thing be- because you saw them on the Monster Energy fucking stage at Knotfest. You know, that's where things like that are helpful. Yeah. Um, but whereas, where it's, it's kind of like, like people are saying, where it's like something corporate is very dictating what you do to make sure that their name is out there through your face. That's something that, so that's like ridiculous. The other way around, you're yeah. About. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that whole monster uh, hat and that <laughs> thing was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. If you go to his Instagram page, there's a lot of monsters. A lot of, it. Lot of monster stuff on there. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, they're down on Facebook, he was advertising some e cigars. So it's just. You know, and, and I'm. And it's funny, too, because I was thinking the same thing about um, he's a strongman athlete. He plays the mountain on Game of Thrones. His name is Thor. Mm -hmm. He's an Icelandic strongman. And he was an Icelandic strongman, very popular before Game of Thrones. Now, after he's on Game of Thrones, he's won a lot of high-profile contests. He's sponsored by a lot of things. And a lot of his, his new Instagram stuff has to do with those things. Like, he's never mentioned any of these products beforehand. But now... He's all about them as if he was from the very beginning. And that's, I think, probably the most distilled kind of essence of selling out, right? When it's just, now, here are all these products. Yeah, like, like some of the things he's, he's, he's sponsored by now is like, I mean, he's got Rogue Fitness, which is, you know, barbells and plates, which is, you know, you use those in the gym. Fine. Icelandic vodka? You're from Iceland. I get it. You're proud of your home country. Soda Stream. <laughs> he's sponsored by Soda Stream, and he's like, the only thing I use when I train is Soda Stream. Is like, what? No, no, no dude. You were, <laughs> you were drinking gallons of water like two days ago. What's going on, buddy? Come on, seriously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Soda will give you the game. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably got something that's like more recovery versus like just regular yeah. Soda Stream. But dude. You, were not, you did not have that machine in your fucking locker room the other day. Yeah, Seriously, yeah. come on. 
So let's bring that back to metal then. There's no nothing more metal than strongman from Iceland. <laughs> How do you guys feel about the surge of Ozzy in the 2000s? The Osbournes. Um, he has that show now. It's going on. Like, like, well, I don't know why he needs to be on a TV show now. Well, the, the, I think the, the show that we're talking about now is, is the History Channel one where him and Jack go to different places. Which sounds interesting. The, the, the premise of it is, is legitimate enough is that these two guys have a lot of things on their bucket list that they want to see. Mm-hmm. That have to do with history, and you know, apparently Ozzy's a history buff, and so is Jack. And this that sounds legitimate. There was no reason for us to know his daily personal life on the um, Osbournes. Yeah, as much as I watched the show, or, yeah. or that commercial that he had with the the Osmonds. Oh dear God! Yeah, you know things like that. Like, I mean, I if the the worst part about it is, and I don't think Ozzy had anything to do with it except for his body being in those places at those times. Just prop him up, and that that it, it seriously is Sharon getting his name out there in any humanly way possible, mm. and Ozzy saying, "Uh huh," <laughs> just bending the wheel of morale like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you know, just keep his mouth covered so he doesn't bite any doves <laughs> <laughs> or say anything. <laughs> you know, the, I think I think he's one of the like the examples of really someone telling him what to do and Ozzy this is a really good idea okay but also um, he had been kind of doing that for a, a while you know like he's done he's done some pretty strange um, appearances mm-hmm. um, Born to be Wild with Miss Piggy in somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the 80s or 90s like that's that's an odd thing again I think that it really has nothing to do with him and that is just the management side that like we talked about someone yeah. dictating what you're supposed to do to get more money yeah I mean, that, like, I feel like it's not necessarily a thing for money. It's a thing for your character or that, or that aura that you give off. Because like, he had a lot of well, random movie cameos. Yeah, but I think what we would say like nowadays, like especially like social media stuff, is that like, he's building his brand, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that like, I mean, from my perspective, that does fall into like the kind of selling out category. The minute like you become, you start straying from like the artist into like the brand, like something to sell, something to like. Yeah for people to consume is like that in that manner like that which is why I'm surprised that Slayer doesn't get the amount of selling out critique oh you mean like the clothing line the, the, <laughs> the, the clothing line the BMX line the panties the socks the fucking well everyone does the ugly sweater thing now that's just became a thing yeah. but they were among one of the first to do that and they just they, they, like I said like Metallica Slayer and Kiss are like right up there in the top three merchandising it's, it's more so a matter of blurring the line between being like like quote unquote selling out to it, like being sponsored by them and being an entrepreneur. That's uh, a good point, yeah. Yeah, because That's like things the point. things that, that, that Kerry King and whatever other members of Slayer are involved, um, they're you know, they're putting their name out there, they're kind of they're they're sponsoring these things as opposed to the other way around, it mm. seems. I can but, see that. It, it, but but you know, that's almost a next level version of selling out because now it's not so much that someone corporate is telling you what to do. You've almost become corporate yeah. at that point. Well, you know what is, I mean? It's almost antithetical. Like you have a band like Slayer that's like preaching like fuck society, but hey, buy our fucking underwear. Yeah, Slayer, like, Slayer is like you said, they are a brand now. They're not a band because seeing that there's only two members of the band from the original band now, they're more of like, like you said, a brand. They're just... It's just Slayer, not Slayer the band. It's just Slayer as a whole. Slayer the music, Slayer the flamethrower. You know, 
<laughs> I mean, merchandising, merchandising, Play merchandises. <laughs> That's this is pretty much what it is. Little pentagram cereal things with marshmallows <laughs> with, with like you know Kerry King's head. Fuck Someone make that happen. <laughs> make that happen. Make it a protein cereal. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I mean, the thing is, like, I. Like, why is that even necessary? I mean, if, if your music, if your art is strong enough to support you, why do you need all that unnecessary nonsense? It's funny, um, kind of related to the whole clothing line thing and everything. I had a friend years ago who worked at a Hot Topic, and she was... The one thing I remember from her discussion about it was all these kids come in, and they're buying all these anarchy shirts, like, fuck the government, yet you're paying sales tax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like it's something like that, though. If you you're, you're if you're still trying to expand the brand, like Slayer is again, they're not still they're not hugely widely known. You know, like like you're yes, they are. Like I'm just saying, like like I'm not going to be able to go up to some 80 year old lady and say, "Hey, Slayer," and they're not going to know. <laughs> they, Metallica, they, Metallica and Ozzy, they might have an idea. I think they might know. I think they. they, they I think Slayer is. I think Slayer is on that on that level of. <laughs> pop culture notoriety that people if you say the worst if you go to any concert anywhere in the world even with the Justin Bieber concert guaranteed one person is going to yell Slayer at the show you know one Justin, person because you know that Justin Bieber on stage is going to be wearing a Slayer t-shirt that's, that's right. what I'm talking about they're building the brand that's what I'm talking about it's everywhere I mean Slayer is like again fuck society and everything but they are bigger than they've ever been before they're making probably again it's hard for me to approach a lot of that as as selling out, though. Uh, you know, again with with Ozzy, he was already a brand, and with the Osbournes, like yeah, you could say, damn, that was for money. But I mean, he was already an established character by that time, and like you're just kind of making it go further. Well, I, think I, I think the one time that Slayer will be considered a sellout is if they ever got played on mainstream radio. I don't think I've ever heard a Slayer song. That's not like that wasn't on just some special circumstance. Yeah, that wasn't right? on just yeah. some like you know special thrash metal thing or yeah. something. Like if they were just in a regular rotation with Master of Puppets, Back in Black, and a Disturbed song, that would be the end of them, <laughs> it's guaranteed. So get on that ninety nine point five. Hey, they are they are before two thousand five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too far before. Yeah. So, so pretty much what I've gotten out of this, it's kind of hard to pick and choose here. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. I, I, you know, I've I've argued a lot about people who have sold out, yada yada, but it's really a horrible term to, yeah. to think about. You know, grant like I've I said, everyone says they want to get into this for the music, and that's bullshit. You want to make music to make a living. Mm. I mean, that's and, the dream. And, and that's the truth. No, it's, hard, it's a lot harder now to do. And than, it's a lot harder now to do than anybody else, than any other time. And you see a lot of these, a lot of these bands, these members, when they're not on tour, they have day jobs. Yeah. I met Tim Williams as a union carpenter on a job in Manhattan. Lee vocalist from um, Visions of Disorder. Visions of Disorder and Blood Simple. Yeah. yeah. Jill Janis from Huntress is a assistant in a dental office mm-hmm. when she's not touring or playing. Somebody told me that like all the guys, or at least Michael Romeo, works at a guitar center in New Jersey. <laughs> which are which guitar centers are now closing, so Michael Romeo might be needing to go to Sam Ash. <laughs> a classified ad in the thing needed one Michael Romeo. 
<laughs> Mike Portnoy need not apply. <laughs> I can play that. We haven't made mention of that tweet though. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> a couple of days ago, somebody was uh, talking uh, was tweeted Mike Portnoy about like all the number of bands he's in. He actually responded with I think number twenty six. Twenty six. Holy shit! Yeah, and I, I shared it. I sh- I, re- I retweeted it to Chris and said, "Now we have a number for the amount of bands the MP's been in." <laughs> In a 30-year in career, he was in 26 bands, or involved in 26 right. bands. Yeah. You know, of course, he's not in all these bands. He's recorded with right, a lot right, of them, yeah. you know, probably toured with a bunch of them and whatever. But he's been involved in 26 bands in 30 years. That's incredible. The prolific nature of Mike Portnoy. Not a sellout, though. <laughs> no. He's, he's just kind of a gun for hire. <laughs> I can play that. I can play that. Uh, I think we got a little off topic. Well, again, just just the 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 term sellout does really irk me. I remember we were watching again. We were watching the video I mentioned before from Watch Mojo, and Lindsay in particular was getting really up in arms about it because um, her whole argument was like, "Yeah, okay, what if you do do something for money? You do have to eat. You do have yeah. to, you know." This is how they make a living. This is what they do for yeah. a job. And again, we've said, and and it's it's common knowledge to anybody who actually does play music um, professionally or even as an amateur um, it's extremely difficult to make money off of music to make a living off of music now mm-hmm. so if you want to make some money off of something that you're passionate about I mean all the power to you if it makes you the money if it makes you a, a good living and everything go for it you know, just <laughs> try not to make it suck <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think I think my my equivalent would be I'm doing my personal training stuff on my own because I don't want to work for a big box gym like Gold's. Mm-hmm. But if it came to a point where I needed to sell out and work for a Gold's gym and kind of trade in everything I I worked for myself to to put food on the table for my family, I think that would I'd have to do it. Yeah. And that's kind of like what some of these sellout bands are probably in that position. It's like you know this is what I do for a living. I don't do anything else. I need to, need to make money off of it. I think it's really in any profession. Like the more success that you get, there becomes a time where you have to compromise a little bit. Like mm-hmm. you can't hold on to every last bit of your ideals if you want that success. So you have to do what you're comfortable with. You know what I mean? Like if you if you want to make all that money and you know play the big arenas and stuff, at some point you have to make the decision. Like, hey, I'm gonna need to have. Like maybe some kind of sponsorship. I'm gonna have to maybe cut down this song to about three minutes, and you got to be willing to make that decision. People might need to understand what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, it's be free to change, and maybe for the sake of getting money, but don't let it be the one thing yeah. that you're going for. You're never gonna, you know, you're not gonna appease everyone. Yeah. And you gotta just at the end be able to sleep. You know, with a clear conscience, knowing you've done what you felt was right, that's really what it, that matters the most. I think. I think the main thing is probably like if you if you don't if it goes against everything that you stand for, you probably should not do it. Yeah. You know, but if if it's something that you're comfortable in compromising on, and it's something that's you know that's not detrimental to you as a person or you know whatever, you can you should be able to do that without the uh, the backlash that we often give. That's actually how like I approach a lot of things, especially with like my job and everything. Um, this is more on a down to a personal level more than it is a to a musical or artistic level. It's basically saying, you know, as long as it doesn't 
hurt you or hurt anybody else. Do whatever you want, and what happens happens. You know, and that's, I think that goes with any sort of um, artistry, whether it be music, whether it be uh, drawing, art, anything like that. Just do what you're going to do, and there's always there's always somebody out there who will like it, want it, anything like that. Um, so yeah. So that was a nice long discussion. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a lot longer than I expected it to be, actually. So that's pretty cool. All right. So on that note, we're gonna make our curtain call because Warrior needs food badly. Yeah, actually, very true. Warrior needs food badly. And today I'm the warrior. I want that fucking sesame chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Let me move my microphone real quick. I'm a warrior. Because I'm gonna read off my my new and improved ending stuff. Thank you all for listening in, and if you want to keep up with all things Shred Shack, give a like to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theshredshack, where we post up all, any and all of our heavy metal exploits, among other things. I don't think we have anything in particular coming out too soon. Uh, well, we are recording our top three today, yeah. um, which, you know, we I think we already said we're going to have it up late this month anyway. But nothing else has been coming out for us lately. I posted up all of the uh, old top threes, so yeah, onto Pat's page. We haven't had any shows come up recently, no in-band no. interviews that, unfortunately, this one fell through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so regardless of the means by which you're currently listening, we encourage everyone to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes because I actually went out of my way to do that. God damn it. <laughs> and give us an honest review because no one's done that yet. No, one, no one's like said, like, hey, you guys suck. I've been waiting for that. Uh, yeah, me too. Well, I, I got the, oh, man, good review for the Megadeth album. Yep, that was that was a thing. <laughs> that indeed happened. <laughs> uh, alternatively, you can listen to the podcast on our Mixcloud page, mixcloud.com slash theshredcheck, where we also post past episodes of the live show. Speaking of the live show, tune in to Pat and Reese every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for two hours of heavy metal music and banter. Um, actually, to amend that, we were told that the guys are going to have to do a couple of off-air uh, shows in the coming weeks, so there'll still be a radio show, but it won't actually be aired live. They're going to record it and you know, play the songs and then post it up on Mixcloud. I don't know how long that's going to be. but I think they've had more success with that than the actual live show. Oh, it, <laughs> posting, like, doing, the, doing the live show, it's a set time every single week, so it's like hard to actually like listen in. Well, it's not only that, but the thing is the streaming tends to be very sporadic. Yeah, that's, which well, is unfortunate. that's, that's, that's the fault of the school. Yeah, so. well. Um, and I, I think they wanted to kind of get away from doing a, a live show like that, but... Who knows? But for the next few weeks, it's going to be off the air like the previous episode, which means I'll have a little bit more free reign and won't probably get pushed out of the studio by the people coming in afterward. Right on. Um, more Pat and Reese's exploits can be found on the official Shred Shack YouTube page, youtube.com slash theshredshack, where you can now find many of our top three videos, interviews, and other joint projects between us, as well as Pat's own album review series, Powerwolf Video, coming out soon, seriously. <laughs> You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash adamantstemplum, for similar, similar content, as well as my video game Let's Play series, Recreational Warfare, which boasts over 250 episodes across more than 30 games from various eras of gaming. Today, we're recording this on Sunday, Star Fox Assault, last episode comes out. Next week, we're starting Jack and Daxter. Sometime in the coming future, Lego Lord of the Rings comes yeah. out. Which we, we filmed about four or five episodes worth of stuff, and we're going to film some more after this. So, other than that, for more up-to-the-minute updates and news from yours truly, follow my Twitter account at username Novus Redemptor. All right, you can follow me at, on Twitter and Instagram at UpTheIron3314 for all my adventures in fitness and nerd stuff and this show and kale smoothies. 
Because that's what I've been doing since my family left this yeah, week. That, that, yeah, <laughs> Kale smoothies and monster energy drinks. <laughs> Kale smoothies and monster energy drinks. I also made a homemade sorbet. <laughs> made out of monster energy drinks. <laughs> no, I have a case, dude. I have a case. Your wife leaves and you become Martha fucking Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I had to feed myself. <laughs> anyway... Um, you can check me out on Facebook, facebook.com slash updeiron3314 for online fitness and nutritional coaching. If you're in the San Antonio area and you're looking for personal training, you can hit me up there on Facebook. Um, I also do have a weekly summer boot camp going on every Saturday morning at 830 at Skates Park in Terrell Heights. Or you can just become my friend on Facebook. My name is Chris McDonald and I put everything there. Everything. 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 And you can follow me at Abyssal Sun on Twitter and Instagram, and hopefully I'll be getting back to the swing of things here in the coming weeks and actually posting some content. Did you post a bunch of pictures from um, from New York? Well, I keep the the Instagram and all that stuff like metal related, so I posted that more like on my personal Facebook. You, you could have found some dude dressed up in like like black metal makeup while you were there. I, there were there were there were definitely a few opportunities, uh, but no, I didn't I didn't want I didn't want to be taking pictures of random people lest I get like mugged or something. Um, you know what happened. You know what I mean. But I think next time when we go to New York, I'm gonna try to swim by uh, St. Vitus. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think and, so. Yeah, yeah, and then like check out a show there. So that'd be a good a good nice. thing. So until next time, I'm Dan Mack. This is Chris Mack. I'm Pete. <laughs> and I forgot my line. <laughs> he he, he lindsayed it for a second. And we are the Splatters.